Yo, yo, Gabba Gabba. Yo, Gabba Gabba. And the Rangers have won What's the up, World guys? Series. What's up, guys? Oh, man. It is good to be back, bro. Back home. Man. Home base. Back, home base. Headquarters. Home base. headquarters. Hey, headquarters. HQ. We're back. <laughs> it's legit been like two weeks since I've seen this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Been a long been a long time. Went out to California, NorCal. Had a wedding to go to. Beautiful time with Beautiful. the family, man. Beautiful. Beautiful weather. But now we're back. Yeah. And uh, speaking of beauty, man, we got a big announcement. We have been working hard at it, man, as... As we continue growing this show, this channel, the give and go, you know, we do this for free in our own free time. We work hard at it. And so much so that we decided to create some t-shirts. We, we have merch now, folks. We have merch. We have merch. For our Spotify listeners, just trust. Just trust that it looks amazing. I'm showing the shirts to the camera right now. <laughs> this right here is the world tee. It features the phrase, the give and go, in 20 different languages. That's because of our diverse fan base. Yeah, I just want to give a little, a little, little shout, shout out to them, man. Cause yeah. I'm just like, you know, you, representation. Never know, you never know who wants to buy a shirt, man. If yeah. it's something from Iran, from France, from yeah. anywhere, man. Anywhere, bro. That's one of our shirts. This is the second shirt right here. This is the logo tee. Logo it's just tea. a basic black t-shirt with our classic teal greenish logo, logo. showing right in the mid middle. It's one of my favorite ones. And then the last one is the tactical tee where it says the give and go by Reynoso and Saltero. And you have the, the famous, Give and go play right here happening. <laughs> so you're always uh you're always reminded yeah. of yeah. uh of why we did this, you know? <laughs> One of the most uh, essential plays in football. And so folks, if you want to support the channel and, and the best way to do it is by buying a shirt because that goes directly to us. Yeah, um, it helps fund the show, it helps keep the channel alive mm. and Man, we've just been working hard at it, bringing you this content happily. Very thankful and very grateful for yes. all the people that follow us. Yes. And so if you want to join the Give and Go community, man, buy one of these shirts, man. They're comfy. The link will be down in the description of any any channel that you're watching this through, whether it's Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Uh, you can buy the shirt literally anywhere, and it's worldwide shipping. Worldwide, man. Worldwide, We're going big. Baby. We're going we got big. merch. We got merch, man. So that's <laughs> big for us. Good Lord, man. We we have a jam-packed episode. We're oh, going to feature some fan video Q&As later down, oh, dope. Uh, down dope. the line. But, to, but right now, we're going to talk about <laughs> the biggest outcomes in world football. That yeah. is international football. The elephant in the room. The <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> we got to address the, uh, the, the Peruvian heartbreak yeah. that happened yeah. this past week. Uh, we have a ton of Peruvian listeners, man. Mm -hmm. And... Let's talk about this fucking match, dude, because to have this outcome is truly surprising after all the shit we talked yeah. last episode. Look, man, we, we low-key saw this coming in, in a weird way. We talked about how mm. Peru not being able to play at home could actually be their detriment, their downfall. And I said it loosely. I was like, you know what? It could it could play a factor. And I think that is the exact factor that played in Peru ultimately not going to the 2022 World Cup, bro. Yeah. Look, I, I absolutely hated the way the first five minutes started. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not good. I, not that I thought that Peru would lose after the first five minutes, but, dude, it was evident. It was clear. It was obvious these Peruvian players were nervous, man. Yeah. They were nervous. They were yeah. anxious. Cueva was just like letting balls just, he didn't have that same pristine touch that he usually Cueva does. Cueva was in a cave, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't get out, man. <laughs> Carrillo was off. He was off. Advicolo, I know, was coming off like a slight little knock. So he was slightly injured. But like, even then, it's just, he didn't have anywhere near the same impact that he usually does. Um, 
Tapia just wasn't his same, like, he didn't have the same presence that he usually does in that midfield. And up top, La Padula, uh, again, I know he re really relies yeah. on service, yeah. but, like, he couldn't get anything couldn't, going, he man. He was not at the end his, of his, anything. End of anything. His, his movement was off. Even his hold-up play wasn't as good as it usually does. Not that he excels in it really well, but it's still every single Peruvian player, bro. Wasn't every, at a full 10, No, bro. no, no, no. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Not even close. So when, after five minutes into this game, I was like, God fucking damn it. This is literally the worst thing you want to see if you're a Peruvian fan. Yeah. It's terrible. And there, there's, there's other, you know, aspects of did they kind of underestimate their opponent because that, that extra... That extra motor wasn't there, man. It wasn't, and it could man. it could be that it was it was the playing away from home. But even then, you had so many Peruvian fans in attendance, man. Dude. And uh, from, from the camera point of view, it looked like it was all Peru. Yeah. And so like visually you'd be like, okay, they're still away from home, but this is this is a home away from home. It really you know? is. Gravely underestimated their opponent. But you look at the game, man, and Peru did have the most clear cut chance with that that header by Flores that hit the post, yeah. but Outside of that, man, Australia was the slightly better team. That's the thing for me is that throughout the course of that entire game, obviously went to penalties nil-nil. Throughout the course of that entire game, for as nervous as Peru was, Australia was equally as confident in their ability to just like grind this game yeah. out. Yeah. They looked completely comfortable. They're like, look, we know we're not going to out Peru Peru. They already knew that going into this game. So what we're going to do, we're just going to play our style of soccer football. Soccer <laughs> that's what they're going to do. And that's exactly what they, they did. did. And they had they no problem it. doing it. Like, yeah. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they came out there and executed their game plan. What I think is interesting, and I, I do think it kind of played a role in this, Like to be completely honest, is... They played in Qatar a week before that Peru game, right? They had one more qualifier game to play against the UAE. So they had been in the country probably a little bit longer than Peru. Um, and they had already a yeah. highly competitive game to win uh -huh. against the UAE and win it they did. So coming out in those lights in Qatar a second time against Peru, they're like, all right, we've literally been here before last week against the UAE. Let's just do the same exact thing knowing exactly who we are and let's get the same result and th they did they grinded yeah. this out oh, yeah and i think i'm still kind of surprised at the the role that aaron moy plays on this team man he's still very much the same player for them as yeah. he was four years ago bro yeah. and you know he's been through a lot he's been through he started off at uh, he was at huddersfield when they got promoted yeah they didn't he then moved to brighton for a bit now he's in china bro yeah and i just thought you know i, I was under the assumption that aaron moy had kind of fallen off a bit was a little up washed a little up yeah, sure but in this game, I'm not saying he was amazing, but he still played that same role of just combining the midfield with the offense, slinging balls, providing a rhythm to the get to the gameplay for the Australians, and it low key surprised me, man. Well, that's what's kind of frustrating is because when I prefaced this game, I said that this is probably the worst Australian squad mm -hmm. that I've seen going into a World Cup. And the thing is, I still kind of stand by that, even though they beat Peru, because you're right, Aaron Mo Aaron Moy was good, but. He's not in his yeah, prime anymore. Yeah, it wasn't like he's game-breaking. Yeah, I was just like, exactly. right, he's doing pretty um, good, and that's kind of it. Yeah, and then uh, left winger Matthew Leckie, he's out of his prime too. A big part of Leckie's game was pure pace and just uh, 
was pure pace and speed. Now that he's a little older, he doesn't have that same pace even yeah. anywhere near where he used to. He's still a good player. Uh, but you just don't have the same Matthew Leckie that you did four years ago, that you did eight years ago. And you don't have a guy that's honestly, in my opinion, fully replaced Tim Cahill up top. Oh, absolutely, so, man. So absolutely. Like, I, I look at this Australian squad, even though they are going to the World Cup, and in my opinion, we're the better team on the day against Peru. I still think that this is the worst Australian squad I've seen go to the World Cup. And then you top that off with the fucking clown goalkeeper coming in and jumping up, being a little literal kangaroo on the goddamn penalty line, bro. Literally, man. Literally, man. Like that—that's he was like twirling at one point. (laughs) <laughs> Dude, that's what that's what this Australian team is, man. Yeah, that's bro. what's in, it's indicative of that. Mm-hmm. They just they I think that what you pointed out about them being in Qatar already playing a game actually plays a huge factor. Huge, man. Bro. We know momentum's big in sports, yeah. especially in soccer. But just being accommodated to your settings, knowing the pitch and just that that air, that breeze that you feel, it, it has something, it has an impact. Yeah. Just like they say that going to South America is a whole task in of itself. So is playing in Qatar and being there a week before helps a lot, man. Yeah, dude. But they did it. They got it. That penalty shootout, man. (sighs) And one thing I will say, and it just really does piss me off, is that I'm a little disappointed in Peru because they knew the task at hand, right? And it's not like they don't have footage on Australia, right? It's not like they didn't know who their opponent was. And, And, you know, bar those nerves, I'm disappointed that Peru didn't come out with the same urgency that they did against Paraguay. And when even even though mm-hmm. Peru were in a decent spot going into the last match, they, they knew that if they beat Paraguay, they're through. Mm-hmm. And they went out against Paraguay and just went off. Remember, we, we yeah. talked about it. Cueva had that beautiful sombrerito, the little pass, the dink, the pass, the goal. It was beautiful. And that was completely non-existent. Oh, no. That no. play, that style, that beautiful way that we know how Peru play was absent in Qatar yeah. absent and ultimately I'm happy that they're not going man because this is why I didn't want to root for them in the first place man the no the idea that I knew that Peru would break my heart bro that if, if they were to go to this World Cup yeah. in the same group against France and Denmark I know I and yeah. I said this in our in our preview yeah, for yeah, the World yeah, Cup no, I'll back I said on that, that if, right. if yeah. Peru in that group they're just going to have the same outcome of being the lesser team against France, Denmark. And so, in a way, Australia now get to play yeah. France and Denmark, the same group that they were yeah. in four years ago. And I think, honestly, the better team did win on the day. Yeah. And uh, I asked our viewers on uh, Instagram, I, told, uh, I said, Peruvian viewers, give me your thoughts. What do you think about this outcome? And here's what some of them said. Jorge Navarrete, 18, says, like shit. But all the blame is on the pregame. They thought they won the game before playing. Yeah. Um, Casper Gaviria says, Peru dominated the whole entire game but could not finish. Sucks they lost in penalties. Miguel underscore S underscore 146 says, Desilusión. Sad way to say goodbye to the World Cup and this era of players. Gonna hurt for a minute. And and that's that's, a good that's the one that gets me, man, because yeah. we fell in love with this crop of Peruvian players, man, four years ago, yeah. or even six, because you count in their performances in Copa America. Sure. And oh yeah, how they were building yeah. up to they this were building really, up to twenty eighteen, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is the way it, it ends for them, yep. like at least for this era of players. We, they were already heading that way, yes. And it brings up a good question, and I and I saw that they're having talks about it right now. But does Gareca stay? Does he stay? Does he stay to continue building this project? Or does he go find a different job? I saw that they're trying to renew his contract. The Federation is trying to renew it. But, I mean, from a, from a coaching perspective, it's tough to build something like this and then have it in, like, 
like the way it did it here, man, without even going to the World Cup. There's no celebration. There's nothing. There's nothing. You get nothing out of this. And it's a great point because that that is a sentiment that I had at the end of this game. I was like, this this is it. This golden generation, this new golden generation of Peru is it's done. Because first off, Paulo Guerrero already was phased out due to his just old age. But I think I honestly do think this is it for uh, Cueva, Advincula, Carrillo, even Yotun, maybe to Mm -hmm, an extent. mm -hmm. Um, This is it. That is the core of that 2018 team. That that the core of why Peru were so good in 2018, I think, are going to slowly be phased out over the next four years. And I I don't even think it's a question. Sure, we might still see them occasionally, but the impact on the game that they had over these last six years will not even be close to the same. Yeah, it won't be it's, close. It's, yeah, I don't know enough about the Peruvian youth academies Neither to, do to I, know yeah. if there's something coming up the ranks. Maybe our viewers do, but just from what, I've, what I'm seeing, it's going to slowly phase out. And I think so. I do want to say something, though. On the broad spectrum, the give-and-go was right, man. Yeah, it no, was we were right. It was five, six months ago where we got ambushed for <laughs> saying <laughs> that Comebol was on the decline. Oh. And look at what we have here now. Only four Comebol teams going through. And literally outside of Brazil and Argentina, the rest are pretty, I won't say weak because Ecuador and Uruguay are good. But there's like, there's a, there's a drop in quality that's happened to Comebol that was, that, that had not happened in the past, in the past four years. Yeah. It's different now, man. And we're seeing Australia. Uh, the Socceroos. The Socceroos. <laughs> one, uh, yeah. Arguably one of their worst squads that they've yeah. had in the last 20 years. Go and get a result against a Peruvian team that I, I thought more of. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody that did. Everybody the did. commentators did. And, they're like, this is not how Peru plays. Yeah, man. And so a, a little a part of me is just like, yeah, this this is kind of what we were trying to say. Where, where Comebol is just is slightly declining. And maybe it gets back up in the next four years. You think it's a little more, you think it's a little bit more extreme. Here's the thing. After watching this game... And seeing the outcome and the way that Peru lost and the way that Australia were just like, hey, let's just grind this out because we can. Uh, I have very, very, very serious concern, concerns about Ecuador this World Cup. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Because just very quickly, if you see the teams that they're going to have to play, Senegal and the Netherlands. And then, and then to boot, just add in the host team. <laughs> Shit. That's tough. Yeah, no, it's going to be very it, hard. If, if Australia hard. can literally just play a physical game against a pacey, creative, crafty Peru, Ecuador is going to have no chance against Senegal. Mm. They're going to have no chance against the Netherlands. Um, and it's simply because of what we've been talking about. Common ball in general is, is on this decline. And I'm very concerned about Ecuador this World Cup. Not saying that they're going to do bad. Not saying that they don't have good players. But as a team against another physical team i'm i'm scared it is i think a lot of it's gonna be mental man because i think mentally yeah. this peruvian team beat themselves up going into this australia game if ecuador does the same thing mentally bro they're not going to be able to they won't even be able to walk with nope. netherlands or, nope. or senegal they got to show up with uh with that argentina mindset yes that, that asshole that douchebag asshole mindset douchebag. like, just like fucking, let's just like, we're south american and we're gonna show you why we're football's better and, and hope i, I oh man i don't know I don't know. You got me worried now, bro. I'm worried, bro. <laughs> you got me a little concerned. I'm concerned. You got me a little concerned. <laughs> the World Cup's still coming up, and there's plenty of teams to keep up with, and that's that's why these friendlies are going to matter. And if you would like to keep up with all the friendlies, I highly recommend you download the OneFootball app. That's right, folks. The OneFootball app. It's right down in our description. 
Uh, click on the link and download the app for any updates on world football, transfers, news. Hey, it's the summer of transfers, man. You got you got to keep up with it. There's oh, a lot yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. Darwin Nunez going to Liverpool. Yeah. Vieira going to, to Arsenal from FC Porto. So much happening in world football. And we're going to have to keep up with, you know, Ecuador and seeing how those players are looking in their form. Yeah. And we're going to use that app to do it. So Absolutely. shout out to our sponsors, One Football. Make sure to download the app right below. And let's get on with it, man. And so we move on to the second big game that happened in regards to the World Cup. We now finally have a full 32-team World Cup qualified teams list ready to go. And the last team that joins is none other than Costa Rica, bro. Costa Rica, man. And I'm going to call you out on this, man. Pura vida. No, hey! I'm going to call you out on this. Pura. I'm going to call this because we've had a number of comments on our YouTube videos yeah? where people are like, hey, what happened? What happened to you, Saltero? Yeah. What happened to that Costa Rican pride you showed? No, we have a number of videos where it, you show so much Costa Rican pride. It's still there. And yet you turn on them, bro. <laughs> you turn on them. And and good lord, what a game, bro. Oh, this was what a, what a game. This, we actually, was a, this we, actually a great game. We, we gotta dissect this one. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Costa Rica against New Zealand. In the first five minutes, we have action. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jewison Bennett, the 17, 18 year old, bombs down that left wing. Does actually pretty well. Cuts. Does a little cut inside, and then who does he find? The one and only. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Whoa. <laughs> the one you and only. You are against this team, man. Joel Campbell. Yeah. And he honestly soup. great finish because he has to come across that ball and honestly virtually slice it. He does it really well, just gets his ankle to it, yeah, honestly, yeah. and it just sneaks in on the far side of the post. Beautiful goal, excellently done by Costa Rica on what was virtually just a counterattack with those two top players, and they're up 1-0 within the first five one minutes. 1-0, bro, and, and it's the scenes were nice, man. Costa Ricans were there in attendance, mm -hmm. and they're going crazy, man, crazy, yeah. because... You know, Costa Rica ended up the qualification cycle on a really high note. They really did. They're feeling good about themselves. Sure, they didn't win that friendly that they had, but they still showed up to the they, they showed up to the occasion. What's better than an early goal? True. But then, yeah. following that goal, man, New Zealand attacked. 80 minutes of New Zealand <laughs> just trying anything and everything that they could to penetrate this back yeah. line of Costa Rica. Yeah. What, have, what virtually happened is Costa Rica said, look... We know we don't have the offense that we used to, which is why I don't rate Costa Rica as highly. And so they said, we're going to have a back seven. And we're just going to see if New Zealand can penetrate us. And ultimately, the answer was no. The answer like, was definitively no. no. Yeah. New Zealand never got a clear-cut chance. They had one goal that was obviously ruled. Uh, it was a foul. There was a foul yeah, on the build-up to the play. There were two instances that I think defined the game. The first one was that one yeah. that was brought back because of the foul. What do you think about that foul? I think it was actually the right call. Same. I really do. I, I think, like, honestly, not even controversial. You look at the play, it's a foul, yeah. and it immediately led to the assist, mm -hmm. which led to the goal. So it's completely fair in my opinion. Yeah, I, I thought it was fair because the, 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 the New Zealand player took a dribble that was just a little too long, and the yeah. Costa Rican defender got his body in front of the, yeah. the offensive New Zealand player. And once he had that position, I was like, okay, it's his to lose. Yeah. And the New Zealand player just fouled him and brought him down. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a clear foul. It's clear. And then the second shift in the game was that red card. Oh, yeah. yeah that red card. Yeah. And it was a substitute, too, I think, yeah. right? Barbarossa, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah. And that was it was such a... Stupid. It was lunge. stupid, bro. That's a FIFA foul, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you lose the ball. I'm going to fuck this guy yeah, up type of foul. Yeah, bro. I was so upset, man. Because uh, 
because they still had like what twenty minutes at yeah. that point, yep. and I'm just like, you bring you bring you bring on a forward in Barbarousas to try and get a goal, and now he has a red card, yeah, and he's out, he's done, and now you're down a man, gonna make it even harder. Not that they stopped attacking, but that one man's just gonna make that difference over Dude, twenty minutes, man. Yeah. You never yeah. know if he's gonna pop up open on the top of the box and just smack it in. Now you don't have that player there, yeah. So it's just so frustrating because. You know, obviously, I wanted New Zealand to, to tie it yeah, up because prediction. because I thought that they, I truly thought that they had the ability and the skill set to be better than Costa Rica. And all, uh, to be completely honest, no. I thought they impressed me, man. At the very New end of the won day, my, won me over a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Because you said they didn't create a chance. I thought they created a, like a lot of half chances. A lot of half chances. A lot. They did. They and, did. But they, they did. were smart about how they were building up and like the opportunities they're creating. Chris Wood, I, I saw Costa Ricans on a on like a YouTube highlight, yeah. like comment section. They were all impressed with Chris Wood. Like, Really? They're like Jesus Christ! This Chris Wood guy, like terrifying in this game. He's, he's incredible, huge. man. He's huge, especially and they like they use them the way that he should be used, which is yeah. sending balls in. He can bring them down, control yeah. them, and then just a number of times where he had that opportunity, he just couldn't get his foot on that he final ball, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was stuff like that that just get happening over and over again. I was like, man, it's gonna. It's coming. Thankfully, San San Gaylor Navas oh, came Navas, through and did what he man. always does for this yeah, Costa Rican yeah. team. I think he had like two really two good, good saves. saves. I was I was like, man, if that's another goalkeeper, I don't know. But Navas yeah. does it, man. Yeah, come the last like ten minutes of the game, obviously New Zealand were just bombing bombing the box. They were just sending in balls, seeing whatever they could uh, latch onto to just send the ball towards goal. And I will say this, the, the, the two, three center backs of Costa Rica yeah. really put their bodies on the line. They knew what was at stake. They had to. There were several moments where the ball just kind of popped up to a New Zealand player. He just whacked it. But there was always a Costa Rican <laughs> always, yeah. right in front of him. I will applaud Costa Rica's defending because it was so solid. Yeah. And just, it, it was so rock solid in this yeah. game, man. Yeah, and ultimately, I leave on the conclusion that New Zealand played well, man. They played well. They did. But but Costa Rica was resolute. Yes. Resolute. They they showed that experience. They showed that that maturity that they have. They might not have the talent. And I actually don't think they do, man, they because don't. dude, they didn't create any other chance outside of that first opportunity, which was in itself was a half chance, I would say. Yeah. Now, Campbell was between two defenders and the bounce of the ball just went the right way for him. Yeah. Outside of that, bro, not much else. Yeah. Honestly, what these two quali final qualifiers show me with Australia and Costa Rica going through is that I think it's clear that Australia and Costa Rica are the two weakest teams at this World Cup. You know, I've been harsh on Morocco. I've said a little bit of shit about like uh, Tunisia as yeah. well, but I think it is clear that Costa Rica and Australia are the two weakest teams yeah. at this World Cup. I saw the uh, the gambling odds after the Costa Rica game yeah. for the oh, final 32, yeah. like where each team is ranked to in order and like chances of winning the World Cup. Uh -huh. And number 32 was Costa Rica. Yeah, no, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, the, yeah. the way that they play, they literally have nothing going forward, which is why I thought that New Zealand would win this game is because I thought that New Zealand would get at least one. And honestly, I didn't see Costa Rica scoring, maybe getting one, and they eventually did, and that's what got them through. But what this game really showed me, or, and, what it, this game, and what this game is testament to, is the legend of Joel Campbell. Mm. Bro, mm. he has been... Costa Rica's number one goal scorer, maybe not in numbers, but as far as when they need a guy to step up in a big game on the World Cup stage, Joel Campbell has done it for what for now will be three straight World Cups. Jesus he Christ. Was, he was their best player in 2014 when, Bri when yeah. he and Brian Ruiz really linked up. He was the reason why they got all those goals. He was the reason why they were able to go against Italy, Uruguay, mm -hmm. England. 
And then he did the same role in 2018, and he's doing the same Dude, the role same. here in 2022. Yeah. It's honestly impressive how consistent Campbell has been for the last what will now be eight years. Seriously, think about it. What other striker on yeah. the international stage has been the only guy that you can the only on one, bro? He doesn't. They don't have any other backup option. They have nobody like, else, dude. There's no one else in that that provides at the rate that he does. No, no, no. I'm no. thinking right now. I'm thinking. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe as, like a Luis Suarez, but he's accompanied by Cavani. Like, exactly. You know, there's always been other options. As far as like true value, not not skill set. As far as True value to an international team. I think it needs to be said that Joel yeah. Campbell is one of the most valuable players to any international team on this planet, dude. Uh, honestly, okay, okay, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I want the viewers at home. I want everybody to really think about this. There's not a more important player to their team than Joel Campbell because he does a thankless task. Yeah, thankless, yeah, I do agree with that. bro. He barely touches the ball. Barely, he is asked to just be the solo, the solo pivot point up top, get the ball when he can, and try to dribble against four players. Yeah. He has been asked to do that for over eight years now, <laughs> nearly and, a and, decade, and, and, bro. And, and nearly a decade. And every time, blue he gets, collar, bro. Dude, he just shows yes, up. He's a worker. His, yeah, he does he, his job, and he that's does it. it. But he does it at a crazy effective rate. Yeah, and it's so so impressive because. Seriously, most strikers who do this job get tired of it, man. And I'm not saying Campbell doesn't get tired of it. You can kind of see, like, especially now in his older age, I think he's like 29 or 30, he can't do it at the same rate that he used to, but he still does it. Yeah, man. It's, Good it's point. You gotta, so there's impressive. a certain grit you got to have to be able to have that task because yeah, dude. another player that reminds me of is uh, Paolo Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, It'd yeah, be yeah. the other comparison, I think. It'd be the That's other the only comparison one, where you just back to goal, yeah. create something, you have nobody else yeah. around you. And then you think about... European type players like that right now that are often criticized, like Lukaku, I think is a similar role. Yeah, but he doesn't. You know, he don't have that grit, bro. No, he doesn't. No, no, no. no. Cam Campbell's Campbell's grit is you honestly got, you so. You gotta so have. There's like bro. a level. Like in order to have that job, you gotta have some level of uh, intensity to you. Yeah, and he, he has that, man. Campbell does, has that. And, he does. And yeah, he deserves a little shout out from the given going that sense, bro, because it's a thankless task. Man, I remember he was. Chalking Mexico up in the World Cup qualifiers this past this past qualifying cycle. Yeah. At the Azteca, just bro, they would just send long fucking mm -hmm, balls mm -hmm. up there. And you just in the hopes that they would maintain possession. <laughs> and either he draws a foul, yeah. either he yeah. brings it down, yeah. or he just causes havoc back there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It slips it to one of his like other teammates or just does something productive. He bro. does. So yeah, what he does out of literally nothing for Costa yeah. Rica. It's uh, and yeah. the the thing is, it's gonna be utilized even more than ever <laughs> yeah. this upcoming World Cup. Yeah, man, this and is gonna he's be it for this, this has to be it, bro. He's gonna just, honestly probably retire after that third game because he's gonna be bro. dead. Halftime, bro. Halftime, he's out, bro. He's gonna be he's dead, out. Bro. It's too much, man. It's too much. They're gonna ask so much from him. Yeah, and I just I just hope that he can make his country proud as he as he always has done. Yeah. But uh, at the very least, man, it'll be good to see him back on that stage, man. Oh, it's another true. form of recognition. It's a great form of recognition. Most people don't know about him. That, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And that's what sucks. If you look at Campbell's career, man, he's just, you know, he's gotten he's gotten chopped. He's gotten duped over the course of his yeah. whole career. Just being on loan for the large majority of his European career. Yeah. Now he's finally getting some sort of praise and recognition in Mexico, mm -hmm. thankfully. But... Just this has been Campbell's whole career, Dude, man. Yeah, this is right. just the type of player that he is. This is who he is. And if you're Costa Rican, thank God that he is Costa Rican because you can't you can't honestly replicate a player like Campbell. I haven't seen you in a while, bro. I haven't. 
And so uh, I got I got to tell you about something that happened to me this past this oh, past shit. week. Okay. I was back. Uh, it was a weekend. You know, I'm looking for a little party to get into. I'm looking to some fun, just yeah. trying to have a good time. And um, my friend, our friend Daniel, Daniel. hits me up. The good guy. You know, he tells me, "Hey, come over to to our Airbnb." You know, it's oh, shit. it's me and uh, seventeen other guys. I was like, dude, sausage fest? Jesus Christ, dude! What are you inviting me to, man? <laughs> that's how he yeah. like invites you over. That's, that's his God selling damn it, point. Daniel? Yeah, no. And so I show up. It's a bachelor party. It's mm, a bachelor party. Mm, party. Mm. I show up, and um, I mean, I don't know anyone there outside of outside Daniel, of Daniel. Yeah. And so you know, I make myself at home right away. I I, I start serving myself up a drink. Absolutely. I start just getting my getting Jeez. my drink ready. Tequila? What, what, uh, were, you, what were you drinking? Uh, oh, did, did, yeah, I think yeah, I did. I did tequila. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually my go-to. Yeah. And so I'm up there just mixing my drink and I can feel people staring, bro. People are staring at me in a weird way, bro. I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I'm a little awkward because, you know, I'm in a situation where I don't know anybody. You're by yourself. It's a beautiful Airbnb. Like, oh, yeah? Big house. Right. I'm just like, shit, man, what's going on, man? Yeah. What the hell's going on? And someone starts like approaching me. I'm like, what the hell am I? What the hell did Daniel invite me to? Yeah. <laughs> I get my ass beat up, bro. And this guy <laughs> comes up to me and he goes, you're that you're that TikTok guy, aren't you? No way. And, I'll, and immediately I'm just like, Daniel told you, Hands didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did my friend tell you? Like, what are you talking about? Me, TikTok guy. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, dude. I, like, he's like, your curly hair gave it away. I was like, huh. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man. And he pulls out his phone and he starts scrolling through his TikTok. Wow. And, and we show up like on his feed. Oh, wow. I'm like, what the hell, bro? Okay. He's like, yeah, man, love this show. Love everything about you guys. Like, I actually want to start a podcast when, like, I've always wanted to, like, do a soccer podcast. Oh, so it's cool to see you guys do it. They were wondering where you were at. I told them that oh, you, were, you, know, you were out. But out of the state. The biggest thing that, well, one that shocked me was just being recognized like that. We've never, never cool. been recognized like that yeah. outside. Um, and if any of our viewers ever see us in person, man, let us know. Yeah, Be come happy to have us up. Play. <laughs> come give me a hug. Man. Give me a, yeah, we need a hug out here, bro. Yeah. And the biggest thing that stood out to me was that. He, he goes, where's your friend? And I'm like, oh, he's out. He's not here right now. And he's like, he's a, he's an old Salvador fan. Right. And I go, kind of, kind of, yeah, nah. kind I respect of, their, I respect their hustle. And then he's like, well, what do you mean? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, well, well, like he like respects El Salvador, Absolutely. right? Like he went to an El Salvador game. He saw them and he respects them. Same with like Costa Rica. Like yeah. he like respects Costa Rica, you know, like he, he supports them, but he's not like, a fan fan but he supports them and the guy the guy was obviously buzzing but he was he just he didn't get he it he didn't man. get it he's like what are you, he's what like are you he, he actually about? said to me he's like i've never met a mexican that supports el salvador and i was like well actually that, well, i could no, see that that's true he's, he's not wrong. i haven't he's not i wrong. haven't yeah you're right. he's not and wrong. so it got me thinking i'm like man our viewers really need a clarification segment a segment where we just state who we support our approach to football and what what it means for us to to show you know appreciation for a team and just kind of defining what we are what we've grown up to be in the soccer world and just clearing things up man so what i want to do first is just if anything start off by pointing out the teams that we support okay. that we are okay. fans i of. can do that and yeah. so you know uh, to start i'll say that when it comes to the mls i always say i'm an austin fc fan yeah you know it's my hometown uh, new team i support them that's my squad when it comes to mexico 
Chivas all the day till the day that all I die. I grew you, up a man. Chivas fan. Yeah. My father was a Chivas fan. I come from a long line <laughs> of Chivas fans. Yeah, right? you do. You do. So I am a Chivas fan. Yeah. Then of course that means that internationally I support Mexico. That's the team that I have fought and and I will I will die for one day. Mm-hmm, it's Mexico. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when it comes to Europe, uh, a few years back, and I and I truly mean this, you were there to vouch for me before they blew up. I began supporting Liverpool. That is true. They they called upon me. They yeah. and their support, the the song they sing before every match, "You'll Never Walk Alone," just just hit me somewhere very deep. And I've been a fan of them ever since like it was like 2015, okay. you know, a while back. No, yeah. No, so that's all support when it comes to Europe. And then that's really it when it comes to football. That is it. Yeah. Any other team that I show support for is in the sense of showing gratitude, showing love, giving those people attention because not everyone gets that kind of attention. If you ever see me out here hyping up Guatemala, is because we have so many Guatemalans that watch the show that never get that love for their team. So I'm trying to channel that for them. Right. So that's where my, that's where my uh, approach to this podcast is and what it means for me to show love for other teams. But when it, when it comes down to it, I am a Mexico fan. So for me, hometown MLS I'm going to go FC Dallas, honestly. Yep. I started watching them when Mato Diaz was just popping off on yeah. the league. He was one of the best creative midfielders in the league. Dallas till I die, as they <laughs> say. Uh, as far as Liga MX is concerned, I've been a oh, yeah. die-hard Leon oh, fan yeah. ever since 2012 is when I started supporting them. Uh, no affiliation to Guanajuato, no. actually none. Uh, my family is based from Chihuahua, so if we want to go that... Technically, Juarez has a team now, but yeah, I don't. I don't really support them. Not, <laughs> not, not even close to the way that I support Leon. Um, and when it comes to European club soccer, uh, it's the one and only for me, Atlético Madrid. Yeah, uh, I started watching them also uh, around the same time that I found Leon. I started watching them in 2012. Damn, and I've been a die-hard fan for Atlético so much so that I will be a colchonero. Literally for the rest of my life, if I ever have kids, I'm gonna buy them little Ooh, Atletico jerseys. That's gonna be nice, yeah, man. man. Like I'm gonna take them to the Wanda. I can't wait for that, bro. Take my family to the Wanda. And yeah, name your daughter Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, bro. No, for real. Um, so that that's how important Atletico is to me, yeah. as as far as fan viewership goes. And at the international stage, obviously, I do support both the U.S. and Mexico since, you know, uh, my heritage is Mexican as my parents were born there, but I myself was born in the States. So I do root for both. I know that can get a little weird at times, yeah. but honestly, I'm able to make it work. Um, and then the other team that I truly, truly loved bo- more than both the U.S. and Mexico was Costa Rica. They're my first international team that I was like, oh, I want to I wanna be this a part of this country. Like, yeah. I wish I wasn't American. I wish I wasn't Mexican. I wish I was Costa Rican <laughs> to, be, to, to fully yeah. be a part of yeah. what they were building. Let, um, let's, so, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's dissect that a little bit more so people can understand it. Like, you know, there's a lot of Mexican-Americans. I'm Mexican-American, yeah. but I chose one. How can you navigate ah, yeah, two yeah. sides of a coin that don't get along whatsoever? <laughs> it exists. Yeah. Like, the... the the idea that there's a Mexican-American that do root for both, it exists yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. culturally Hispanic, but they grew up American, yeah. right? So you, it can be done. Obviously, though, the diehards, it, there, there is no in-between. No, no, it's no, one no. side or the other. Um, the thing is, I understand it. I, I completely get all aspects of soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. I completely understand when people are like, look, you can't, 
You can only pick one. Right. I completely right. get it. But that's just not how I view the sport. When I talk about random teams, like, for example, when I first found Costa Rica or Canada right now, or hell, even Tunisia or Saudi Arabia, who's been building yeah. for a good six years now. When I talk about these teams and have true, true appreciation for them, it's because what I do is I try to completely remove bias. I love the sport not because of the culture, not because of the fans, not because of the history of the clubs. When I see a team, I solely look at the 11 players that all are out there playing against another 11. I truly love the sport so much that, honestly, you could just call it Team A and Team B. <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah. oh, I like how Team B plays. Yeah. I completely remove all bias and I look at technique. I looked at tactic. I look at... Uh, I looked at how the staff orients themselves. I look at the formation that a team uses to attack another team. And then on top of that, I look at flair. I look at how a player touches a ball. I look at how a player crosses a ball, how a player is able to dribble, uh, a player's capability. Uh, I look at all of those things. I remove history. I remove color, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. matter. I love the way... That you're a purist, man. You, yeah, you I'm just a, love I'm, the sport I'm, for what I it is. I love the sport for exactly what it is, which is just kicking the ball around and trying to put it in between the two sticks in the back yeah. of the net. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, I think there's a number of people that are like that, but I, I surprisingly am not like that. I'm more, I'm more find my, my pleasure in viewing the sport through a different lens, yeah. which is the, the impact that a sport can have almost emotionally. For me, it's fascinating that, oh, that for yeah. one month, Politics, money, economy, love, hate, racism, classism, yeah. capitalism. Everything can be removed for one month and just bring people together, yeah. all gathered around this one sport, which is football. Yeah. Sometimes I even question myself. I was like, if football wasn't football, if football was like, I don't know, if there was like some meeting every year, every four years where it just for some reason, everyone puts everything aside and just focuses in on that meeting. <laughs> Would I be as passionate about okay, that okay, okay. as I am about football? Because yeah. I just, I love football for what it's capable of doing yeah. on a global and emotional scale. And then you do throw in the, the other aspects of it, which I love is, which is just the gameplay, the style of it, the, the way that you can express yourself, how yes, a football yeah. field is a canvas. It really and is. And you can paint whatever you want on it. And yeah. everybody, no matter, no matter who you are, no matter how fundamental you are or how much flair you have, you will always play differently from the person next to you. Yes. Every single person in this world has a different gameplay and style to them. And I just think that's fascinating, bro. Actually, that's such a great way to view the game because that's actually how, why I got into it. So I grew up on basketball. It was NBA. I, it was Ball was life at that point. Yeah. I go outside <laughs> I go outside every day after school and I just shoot. Got to fix my jumper. Got to drive better, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got to be a better player. You know, then, then my, my height stumped. And I was like, oh, I guess that's why there's no Mexicans in the NBA, bro. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I can at least enjoy it from the TV. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I witnessed Dallas go to the finals in 2006. I witnessed them ultimately lifting it in 2011. Yeah. I was a diehard mass and I caught every single home game. But then the moment I laid my eyes on football, on soccer, I was like, it's, it's time for me to say goodbye to basketball. Damn. And that I did. And I, I completely gave myself to the sport of soccer because I knew, yeah. I knew deep down, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. 
This is something that I want for the rest of my life. Yeah. This, I want to fully involve myself in this sport because I love basketball, but this is who I am. Yeah. And, and from there, it was, it was curtains. I just started <laughs> doing my research, watching every game, understanding the facets, the, the idea that there's leagues in South America, leagues in Europe, leagues in North America, leagues in Africa, everywhere around the whole globe, and that they can all come together and have a World Cup. That's mind-boggling to someone who only watches American sports. Um, people can get it, but they don't fully grasp yeah, the man. the yeah, actual weight of what a World Cup even means. Yeah. Um, and so you bring a great point about how we can come together every four years and it's just these, you take everything away and it's just this one sport that that's the only thing that matters. And that's what really drew me to this sport was because there's true equity when a game starts. It's 0-0 and the hardest thing to do in soccer is score a goal. And so no matter how bad you are, you there's always a slight chance always. that you can do something. Always. Whereas like in American sports, it's 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 more about uh was was it's more about quantity, right? In basketball, the, the average score is like what 100 to 120 points, yeah. meaning the ball goes through the net at least 60 times, 50 to 60 times. So it's not about moments in American sports; it's more about numbers or rate efficiency. Yeah. It's a more statistical approach to sports. Whereas soccer statistics can mean something but, yeah, it, but it, not it's, in the way not, not in, in the way MLB was built on statistics like with yeah. Moneyball and like yeah, people man. taking their stat pass NBA is really big on statistics right now yeah, absolutely and football be because as well. it is though yeah, American football and it, because it is because you can yes. actually associate numbers to like actual performances and results it's exactly. kind of crazy exactly I mean that's why Derek White completely went to sleep in the last three games <laughs> because he completely outdid his numbers in those first yeah, three games for yeah. the Celtics. And so statistically speaking, yeah. he had no choice but to stop <laughs> scoring. Yeah. And that, but, that, but, that, but then you, you look can't, at, yeah. you can't say that in soccer. Yeah. In soccer, that's why there's such a big debate uh, around expected goals. That, that stat. Yeah. That, how oh, it's, okay. it's so polarized because so yeah. many people buy into it and others don't like shun it. They don't like, they don't want to hear shit about it. And, yeah. and both sides are right. Like, yeah. like there really is no, like some could say there's a correlation and there some might others, be. others could say that just doesn't make any sense. So exactly. it, it's fascinating. But I think something we got to point out, man, is that you didn't just play basketball growing up. You played a little bit of soccer. Played a little soccer. And yeah, to be more specific, you were my, you were right behind me, man. As I was up there up front yeah. growing up, I played both. I played two positions growing up. I played forward and I played goalkeeper. Mm. And when I was up top, you know, taking care of the responsibility of carrying a U7 team to a title, I would always look behind me, and I would have Saltero feeding me balls from that fullback position, yeah, man. Left fullback. Active, yeah, active. Yeah. Uh, a really good, just fundamental player, I would say. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. no creativity. No, or flair. <laughs> but it, none. But just Absolutely straight. Absolutely none. Yeah. I can pass straight, and I was really good at defending. Yes. That's about yes, it. Yeah. Which is all I was asked from you, man. You just handed it up to me. I had a, I had an incredible winger at the time. His name was Braulio. Ah. And this kid, you could just hand the ball off to him. This kid yeah, would just, just do go magic, off. man. Yeah, yeah, magic. Yeah. Um, but then afterwards I, I transitioned into a more of a goalkeeping role and that's where I honestly found most success I'm gonna be honest with the goalkeeping possession hell of a keeper position. man yeah hell of a keeper yeah appreciate that man you mean that <laughs> I can tell you mean that I remember one day you were like you're like bro if you didn't stop playing goalkeeper you honestly could have been like a third division 
like college goalkeeper. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I said third division pro keeper. Bro, bro, that's Come what on. it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. Third division pro. I was like, yeah, low key, man. Honestly, man, yeah, I had man. something. I played. And then you could work your way up to second. I could work my way up. Easily. Maybe Easily. I get. Maybe by then you never know, man. You never know. And last thing to clarify is just how how we know each other. People think we're related, which we we actually aren't. Like no, blood wise, blood wise, we're not related. Blood wise, but uh, in the slightest. No, no. but um, his parents and my parents were good friends in the. In the town that we grew up in, they yeah. they were they both moved there. I think around the same time. Yeah, and so they got to know each other. His parents are my godparents through through religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we started hanging out. It was because we played f- football together. Is that and we, that that uh, also too? That, and we would go to like your birthday parties. Yeah, you come. Up, yeah, and yeah. then like we go to same school. We're in the same grade. Like it just kind of yeah, just it was just, uh, it was all set up. It was all like easy for us to always see each other. Just, yeah, like, at least like once yeah. a month growing up. Yeah, and then we just finally started hanging out once we were in college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and then after that, that's I mean, this happened. So that's how we know each other. We're not. Really related but we're we're the we're we're really good friends i would even say a best friend or not at this point he's a brother yeah we're brothers brothers. man and so i think that's it for clarifications man i don't know what else people want to know but anything else you want to know man slide me a dm and i'll tell you bro yeah absolutely i keep thinking about it man i'm i'm struggling man i need help here what's on your mind (laughs) (laughs) sadio mane going from liverpool to Bayern. okay Sadio Mane, who was just in a Champions League final, yeah. crucial part of Liverpool's ride to the Champions League final once again. And he decides to do this transfer move after six years at Liverpool, reaching the heights and the peaks of his career, yeah. winning all the trophies that he could possibly win. And then he chooses to go to Bayern. And I just, I'm struggling here because. I just don't see what he gets at Bayern that he wouldn't get at Liverpool because keep in mind, this is this move, Sadio Mane leaving Liverpool when he's 30 years old, by the way, not 33, not 34, 35. He's 30 years old. Him leaving Liverpool is something that a player would do for the Liverpool teams of the 2000s when they were in that sixth, seventh uh, Premier League spot. Not a Liverpool team that's, Arguably a top three team in the world, maybe even top two. Yeah. And yet he decides to do this. And I'm just, I'm so curious because I, I think about him at Bayern in Germany, playing against Augsburg, yeah. playing against Hamburg, mm-hmm. playing against Hertha Berlin. And I was like, I just can't envision it. I can't you see it. You want that, Saudi? Yeah, like, I just can't see that? it. Yeah. And then having him, especially Saudi, who you can make a, a true argument, or maybe it's not even an argument, maybe it's already known. That he is a more clinical player for Liverpool in big games. Yeah. In the big games, when it really matters the most, it's he, it's him that comes up for the team rather than like Mo Salah. Yeah. And he's only gonna get a few big games a year now at Bayern. That's true. And so I saw a pundit, an English pundit, get crucified on on Talk Sport because oh, he was okay. making the point that Sadio Mane is ruining the best years of his life by going to Bayern. And obviously people saw it and they're like, oh, it's just English media. They think they're the best in the world and that they're salty that a player would just leave, would leave the, leave the, the league. But it's not that, man. I think he actually has a genuine point of Sadio Mane still is a, is a top 10 talent in the world and is refusing to play for a top two team in the world. And that's so weird to me, man, especially with the history he has at the club, with what he's been able to achieve, yeah. the challenges he would face there still. And I really can't chalk it up to anything else outside of like, he's just kind of bored of it. Oh, and he yeah. just wants to change the scenery. And he just, it's been six years in England. 
why not go to Germany and just why not do, go to Germany do something different? Win a different title. Win a different, different title, title. Being a different yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. Win a different type of title. The way that I saw this whole Sadio Mane saga kind of just end up, it was all honestly all kind of sudden. But I mean, no. a lot of Liverpool transfers honestly are there's there's no yeah. drama surrounding Liverpool transfers <laughs> at least not recently, man. It's just it's it's Business. either exists or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but the way I saw this Mane transfer was is very very similar to. Cristiano Ronaldo's transfer away from Madrid to Juventus. And the, uh, the reason why I bring that up is because Ronaldo was Madrid. He was Real Madrid for eight years. He was arguably one of the most impactful players. He was Ballon d'Or after Ballon d'Or yeah. during his time at Real Madrid. He was impactful on the pitch. He won titles with him, big ones at that, Champions League after Champions League. And then all of a sudden, after he won his Champions League, uh, he was just like, all right, uh... I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave. But the, re- the the reason why I think Ronaldo left, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody, is it's because he kind of knew his age. He knew that he was rearing in his 30s, right? He was yeah. young, young 30s, playing for a top top club in the world, and that ultimately, when he would have to renew his contract, he was gonna get less money. He was yeah. gonna get the veteran contract, if you will. Yeah. Even though it's Cristiano Ronaldo, he was dealing with a beast like Real Madrid. And even though the two were synonymous for so long, Madrid always do business first. Mm -hmm. And they knew that, look, they know. They have lawyers. They have agents who are like, okay, Ronaldo's going to be 31, 32. Uh, We're going to have to offer him less money. It doesn't matter if he's scoring the same. It doesn't matter if he's still as impactful as he was a year before. The difference, he's a year older now. So contractually statistically it's like giving insurance to a young person driving a car yeah they have to offer them you know in this in this case less money so i feel like mane went through the same process he's like i'm playing with one of the best clubs in the world i'm now what 30 years old i just need to i, I need to get out of here before my money situation just completely goes out the shitter he needs he he had to do this N- not not from a legacy point of view not from a point of view of like oh i want to play in the best league with the best competition but he's honestly and, and rightfully so i thought just looking out for himself mm. he's like look i know i know my age i know that once i have to renew my contract liverpool are going to offer me less money so might as well get my mass contract that i can't right Somewhere now else. and go to bayern yeah that's how i saw this but it just sucks cuz that's how football is now yeah. That's how it is. It's completely run by money, man. Yeah, man we're really never going to see a Steph Curry type situation no, where one player is at the same club for, for no. the entirety of their careers. Cause because it, of that. Once it reaches a point, you're good, you have to. It's like you have to go somewhere else. You That's why there's such, yeah, there was such a, an acceptance to Ronaldo leaving Madrid, to, yes. to Sadio leaving Liverpool. It's just like, yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time, it's time. even though that's so sad because you're right. That, that's such a good point. Imagine if Curry was like, okay, I'm 32 now. I have to leave Golden State. <laughs> like, you're kidding me. You're yeah. kidding me. Yeah. But that's exactly what this is. That's exactly what Ronaldo's transfer to Juve. And Ronaldo still ended up being the top goal scorer in Italy. Mm-hmm. He lost nothing personally. But he had to do it because the way that the top clubs in Europe run businesses, they have to look for the next best young thing. Yeah. They yeah, have that's true. to. That's true. And the only way to do that is to take money from your older players. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I guess three years from now, it looks better to have a 27 year old Darwin Nunez exactly. instead of a 33 year old Sadio Mane. Exactly. And, and then at that point, if they're doing really bad, 
they cannot blame it on, oh, you know, we should have sold Monty earlier. Now it's just like, oh, Nunez wasn't as good as he was supposed to be. Right. You'd, ra you'd rather it be like yeah. that than like, oh, damn it, we should have sold Monty yeah. when he was already getting old. Yeah. It's a it's much easier pill to swallow if you're running a club. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening with uh, Salah's contract too right now where it's it's it still hasn't been finalized. Fuck. And there's just, this con there's just this air yeah. around Liverpool where it's like, what what... Are y'all going to renew it or no? What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, business is business, bro. It's business. All right, folks. So, we uh, we posted on our Instagram story that if you had a question for us this week, you send a video DM instead of just a straight, you know, yeah. straight DM. And, man, did we have some great some great questions, man. Yeah. Our community is, is great to finally see a face oh, on yeah. all the people that watch us. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to see, man. It's just like the sport of football. Yeah. The, the give and go is so diverse, yes. and it's a beautiful thing that we're all united by Absolutely, one singular dude. thing. And so we're here to answer your questions now, and, man, I'm hyped, man. So let's get right into it. This is our first question. So my football-related question for you guys is do you think that – um, all of the Division Two teams in the Power Five leagues are better than the MLS. Okay. Love this question. Yeah. Simply because it's so fun to play with the idea of you just take one random team and you pit them against a team that's on a completely different continent, man. Yeah. That's why we love the Club World Cup. It's like the only time uh, that you can see a team from Mexico pit themselves against a team from the Premier League. Yeah. And so I've actually thought about this before. I've always wondered, like, what if you take a second division European team? How would they fare like in Mexico, for example? Yeah. And you know you kind of see in domestic cups, but it's always within its own system. Um, ultimately, I think even the let's take the best second division team that hasn't been promoted yet, right? So it's like middle of the season or towards the end of the season, sure. and let's pit them against uh, like the best MLS team. I think the MLS best MLS team would win. Yeah. And I think they would win probably in the majority of the time. I, I'm not saying it would be an easy wash for the game, but I do think that the MLS team would win. I mean, take Austin FC, for example. Mm -hmm. Not that they're the best MLS team right now, but top, if you— Top six? It, yeah, exactly. You look at some of their top players. You have Maxi Urruti, who's honestly pretty ruthless in front of goal. But then you have Cecilio Dominguez, whose resume includes America, one of the biggest clubs on this side of the pond. And then you have Sebastian Driussi, who played Champions League football for San Jose Petersburg. Champions, championship teams or second division teams don't have players like that. That's true. They yeah, don't. Yeah. And so... I would say outside of the championship. Yeah. 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 Outside of the... Yeah, and, of England. And even in the championship... It's the, it, after it's, like it's, the it's top... Yeah, rare. After the top five, it's like... It's like yeah. complete... Yeah. It's yeah. a complete wash at that point. So I think... I think they'd be able to compete, but the best MLS teams, I think, would always outdo even the best second-div teams. Now, we could talk about, like, let's say, mid-tier MLS teams, and I think at that point, the best second-div teams would. Even then, uh -huh. I'm not saying they'd dominate, yeah. but I think it'd be closer, maybe more 50-50. Yeah. One team wins, the other team wins the other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, worst MLS teams, obviously, I think they'd always lose against the best second-div teams. Against the best, yeah. Yeah, against the best. But I, I think it's got to be comparative. The, does the worst MLS team lose to, like, the worst championship team in that and case that, that's where i think it, yeah. i'd say no and here's the thing I, I wanted to put numbers to this so first off to define the top five powerhouses just to make sure we're talking about england yeah. spain france italy germany that's how i think yeah of. that's yeah. what i thought uh, on 538 they have a oh, club yeah. rank wool club rankings mm -hmm. where they use all types of analytics almost like the uh the often criticized the 
FIFA oh, rankings. Yeah, this like, complicated yeah, algorithm. Yeah, and it's a whole algorithm that yeah. they have, and it does produce some funky results, but still, it's the only site that does it. And so I still put a little bit of merit to it because mm. some stuff makes sense. Yeah. And so on this site, I looked up where does the where does the top MLS side rank, where the top French second division teams rank, and I'm going to go through them for you. I'm going to show you the top two teams from each from each country. Oh, okay. And where they rank. Yeah. Germany. Germany's second division, Bundesliga 2. At up top you have Schalke 04 at the 179th rank. Yeah. 179. And then you have Hamburg at 181. Oh, sure. Interesting, right? Next to right? Okay. Yeah. Italy you have Monza at 203 and then Lecce at 283. So we're in the 200s here. So far Germany's higher at like the 180 range. Damn. Then you have Spain who has Almeria at 254, yeah. and then Valladolid at Valladolid. 275. So even worse. <laughs> they really don't like the Spanish <laughs> they, they, they don't like the Spanish teams, bro. <laughs> okay. Um, but, I mean, honestly, yeah, they're probably going to get relegated yeah. this year. And then in France, the top two teams that are that are second division teams are Toulouse at 131, and then Auxier at 289. Yeah. So Toulouse, the highest one so far, 131. 131. Then you have England in the championship Fulham, who just got promoted, is at 76. Okay. And Burnmouth is at 107. Nottingham Forest is at 117. Mm. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. put no, the championship. Championship is always going to be yeah. a little top, bit better. Top, these are the three teams that got promoted. So, like, yeah, yeah it, it makes, makes sense. sense. They're going to be in the Prem next year. And now we have the MLS. For the MLS, the top two teams are New York City FC and LAFC. New York City FC is at 121. And LAFC is at 147. That would then suggest that the MLS top two teams are better than Germany's, better than Italy's, uh -huh. better than Spain, and even better than France, with the only exception being England and being those teams that were promoted to the Premier League. Right, right. I Interesting, think, man. I think it makes sense. Again, I do think that it'd be closer actually on paper if you were to pit, for example, Nottingham Forest right now against LAFC. Yeah. I, I think it'd be a lot I think closer. It's a lot closer than with a I think it'd be so fun to to actually have that have that hypothetical matchup happen. Bro, I'd love that. It'd be dude. amazing. I'd man. love that. I've always thought, just as a fun thought experiment, uh, like if I had a billion, if I was a billionaire, <laughs> like I would have a I would have a fun summer tournament. Yeah, and I would invite all twenty Premier League teams and all twenty La Liga teams, and I would have the first place team play the first place team all the way down to we have the twenty yeah. place team play the twenty place team. And then that way you could definitively definitively say which league yes, is better. Dude. It would be able to be settled because yes. so many people are like La Liga is better, Premier League is better. Uh, but you would be able to definitively say yeah. you'd say who won more in this tournament. Yeah. It'd be so cool to yeah, have. Man. Hey guys, my name is Rafael, big fan of the show. Uh, What's up, as Rafael? you know, the Warriors just Rafael. won their fourth NBA title in the last eight years. And there's all this talk about dynasty going around. I was just wondering who you guys thought is the biggest dynasty in football history, both on the international stage and at club level. And do you see any other team in the near future forming their own dynasty, you know, going on a run like Madrid did in the last 10 years? So, yeah, just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the matter, and uh, thanks for taking my question. Dude, I love I love dynasty talk, man. Yeah, dynasty. dynasty because that, that's the biggest, the upper echelon, the royalty of sports. Ah, yeah, is the dynasty. There is no other dynasty as big in football than Real Madrid in the last ten years. I I agree. The last ten years, what Real Madrid has been able to do in the in the modern era of football, yeah. 
is unprecedented and the the ultimate achievement. I yeah. think. So when it comes to success, I would compare the Warriors' success to Real Madrid's. I mean, Warriors were four and eight. Real Madrid is five and five ten. And we're talking about Champions League. Yeah. But I think there's a more accurate comparison. Yeah. Outside of Madrid in the past ten. Okay. Because I think something that really distinguishes um, Golden State a lot is that. They they weren't a dynasty that was built through acquiring players. They did it very organically. Yes, through the draft, the players that they got stuck with the team throughout the dur- duration of their runs and have found a way to be there even now. Yeah, and I think a more fair comparison would be the slightly smaller dynasty that was the Barcelona teams from 2009 to 2012. Yeah, because a big big just selling point of that Barca team. Was the fact that there were so many La Masia graduates yeah, yeah. in that starting eleven? There was right. even a there was a game. I looked it up the other day in 2012 versus Levante. It was the first time that uh, the Barcelona fielded a team solely compiled of La Masia graduates. You had wow. Victor Valdez, Montoya, Piqué, Puyol, Jordi Alba, Xavi, Busquets, Fabregas, Pedro, Messi, and Iniesta. Wow! All homegrown wow. players, bro. All homegrown, oh my man. God, it's insane. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It'll that'll never be. That'll never happen I don't think again. It'll happen again. That'll no. never happen Not again. at that level. At any country, no. at that level. Now, it might happen like in some like League One English side that like yeah, that's like that's homegrown all they have. English kids. They have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll, it'll never be at this level of, of quality, man. And I think. I think that's a more fair comparison because it's just so organic. That is so like, it's equivalent to how Golden State built their team and they achieved success as well. So that to me is the best comparison. But then he, then Rafa asked in the future, who, who's a future dynasty in the making? And for me, the most clear cut answer, although it's a little controversial because they haven't achieved it on the European level is Manchester City. Domestically, yeah. They they are a well, dynasty. Do, yeah, domestically, Manchester City has all honestly for me reached that dynasty level yeah. in the modern era. Yeah. I think they've won it. What like the past, four out of the last, last five? Si- uh, four out of the last five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Four out of the last five years. So Manchester City definitely on that trajectory. Yeah. Absolutely, it has to be them. And uh, I, they just gotta get that European silverware, and they'll be up in that conversation. I think. But yeah. congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing that dynasty. Continue that dynasty. Man. Talking about domestic dynasties, though, if we just just. Real quick, sure. Bayern Munich, I think, are on a path where they have no contenders in the near future. As in, uh, I don't see Bayern Munich losing the Bundesliga in the next five years. And they've already won it, like, what, 10 times in a row? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I think they've won it, it 10 it in a 10. row already. The last team to win it was maybe Dortmund. Honestly, I don't remember. It was Dortmund because Klopp, Klopp did it, but... Almost did it with the Champions League, but couldn't. I know Stuttgart won it with Pavel Pardo in 2006. <laughs> exactly. Shit, but, but, so yeah. Bayern Munich are on a trajectory to do something completely unprecedented, in my yeah. opinion, to where they're just going to keep winning domestic titles. Yeah. And nobody's going to stop them. Nobody. Yeah. Honestly. The Bundesliga is just fine with it. Yeah, exactly. And Yeah. And... <laughs> What? Because what, you think about Dortmund, they've had some incredible teams, honestly, in these mm-hmm. last 10 years. They've had some very good players, and they played some electric football, but that's, that still hasn't even been good enough. Leipzig, at one point, was probably the second best team, and at one point, for like a split second, was the best team in Germany, but over the course of that 34-game season, they cannot compete with Bayern Munich, and I just don't see them making big enough moves. I don't see anybody else in that league making big enough moves, 
and playing the right style of football to beat a team like Bayern, man. Not over the course of 34 yeah. games. So I think Bayern honestly might win 20 in a row. Uh, and, and like in any sport uh, at that any... That doesn't sit right with me, man. And that, that's the thing though. Like even, even in the most like corrupt leagues, <laughs> I don't even know if that happens. Yeah, I don't think 20 in a row and 20 happens, in a row doesn't yeah. happen, but... I, I honestly <laughs> don't see Byron losing over the next three to five years. And at that point, they'll be at 15, man. Who's to say they don't go for another yeah, five? Yeah. And that's the thing, though. Even 15 is like. Unfathomable, man. man. Imagine that in like the Prem, bro. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't sit right with people. Right. Because like even Juventus, when they had their dynasty, they finally have yeah. fallen off. Finally. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't really see Juventus winning anytime soon. And even the Premier League, where City's dominating and dominating and dominating, man, there's United always contenders. But. But the, the, it was still like not yeah. not as not as not to the level at, at a Bayern that it, a Bayern team is exactly. Doing. So you talk talk about dynasties at that club level. I don't think Bayern has anybody else that even uh, comes close to their dynasty. Yeah. Man. And then the last part of his question was international stage. Yeah. That one got me thinking, man, because international dynasties are, are Tough, completely different. Man. They, they're much shorter. I would say the the Spanish dynasty was one. That's the one that comes to mind. Yeah. When yeah. they won three consecutive international titles. Yeah. That's the only thing that really comes to mind as far as just domination over the course of more than two years. Or just if you, I mean, the other one I would point out is Brazil, but that's like a, that's like a dynasty throughout like, throughout history. history. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they show up at every single World Cup and they make these deep runs and it's just, they're just, they're a dynasty throughout the period of time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, absolutely though. So my question uh, for the podcast and to the community watching, um, who are you guys in training? Like, I know how kids were back in the day. They used to say, uh, oh, I'm Ronaldinho or I'm Maradona. I'm Zidane. I'm Ronaldo. Or, or, or like now, uh, I'm hearing a lot of kids say, Ancara Messi, Ancara Messi, and Messi, and Messi, Messi. Um, Who are you guys in training? <laughs> what a fun question, <laughs> That's man. That's fun as hell, man. What a fun question. <laughs> I'm former Everton captain Leighton Baines. <laughs> I'm bombing down that side as a fullback, but I'm not yeah. too creative. Not at all, I'm man. not creative, not at all, but man. I will defend with my yeah. life. Yeah. And I'll also captain the side from that backside, man. That's who I am. I'm Leighton Baines. I even got, I, if I wanted to, I could grow up my sideburns, man. I'm Leighton Baines. Bro, I'm fucking, I'm Ruben Sambuesa, bro. I, I, I'm trying some crazy shit once yeah. I'm on the ball. And okay. if you say some shit to me, I'm talking back, bro. I'm talking my, I'm talking back. I'm talking so much shit. I'm arguing every call i'm fucking saying that the ball is mine every single time and i'm just i'm just active man i'm creative as hell and it doesn't make any fucking sense yeah. but i bring this energy to the pitch that people got to invite me back back on again that's the thing man. you can't ignore you you can't ignore you me can't. Man. they're like ah, shit, or, we, we gotta let him yeah, play some people are just like damn it who invited this fucking guy but bro but I, I'm, I'm i'm playing bro you're appreciated i'm, I'm appreciated <laughs> in some shape yeah. or form that I'm, you're needed i'm needed man i'm needed i'm part of it and so dude that's who i am but honestly when i when i thought about this i was like who are the kids saying they are now and i think the the biggest one has to be mbappe I think I think kids Thanks, everywhere. I, I feel like kids or just people in general are still enamored with Ronaldo Messi. Oh, for sure. For so sure. I, I feel like they they still sure. they're still just like that. No, I, I, I do think that, but I think from the younger players to select from, it's got to be Mbappe. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I can like just see kids just saying like Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe. <laughs> Obviously, it's Messi, Ronaldo, even like Slatan. I could see being a big <laughs> could, name out could. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the tall kid. The tall yeah, kid yeah, is yeah. just Slatan. But yeah, man, I, I I need to go out there, man. I need to see what these kids are saying nowadays. Man. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
who, I want to know who's the best Argentinian player, excluding Maradona and Messi. This is great. This is an awesome this question. Is great. This yeah. is great. This is what the given goes about, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. May I? Yeah. You have the floor. Okay. I think I would say this. You take out Maradona, you take out Messi. I really do think there's one player that has had the impact on the international stage, that has had the resume at club level, and that has just been the go-to, in my opinion, offensively for Argentina for a long period, for a very long period. I would say at least the course of 10 years. I think there's one player that comes to mind, and it is the player that I would say is the best, next best Argentine outside of Maradona and Messi, and that is Angel Di Maria. Oh, okay. Angel Di Maria won the Champions League with Real Madrid, was the reason why they beat Atletico in 2014. Uh, Obviously, Ramos equalized, but in that extra time, it was Di Maria who just harassed that backside of Atletico. It's like he was just off the bench, but he wasn't. He was playing the entire game, and he was just sprinting like crazy. But that's that's the beauty of Di Maria is that he couples extreme pace and speed with... God, godlike skill. And I don't think there's a lot of players out there like Di Maria who have the craft, the vision, but also just the skill set that Di Maria has. The top assist man with PSG of all time. Damn, he, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, over 100 caps with Argentina. For me, it's clear that it's Angel Di Maria who is um, the next best Argentine. And the thing is, it's not to say that there haven't been other greats. Oh, we can con- we, great contenders. We can man. talk about Gonzalo Higuaín, mm-hmm. even Kuna. Oh, obviously Kuna Guero, who have achieved massive things for their club. We can talk about midfielders. Uh, I think more recently, I say Ever Banega has been immense for this Argentine squad when he was in his prime. He's good. The, the way the, yeah. the way that his vision was, yeah. it, there was another. There was no other midfielder who could really pair up with him. Yeah. They needed Banega when he was in his prime. Um, and then you talk about uh, uh, other. Mascherano exactly. is a huge one. Mascherano is a really big one too. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but when I think about impact, when I think about over the course of 10 years, who has been that go-to guy when Messi might be off, Aguero might be off, who's been more consistent? It, for me, it's Di Maria, honestly. Um, even Carlos Tevez has been... Yeah, Tevez yeah. is another one. Tevez has an insane resume at club level, scoring hundreds of goals over the course of his career. But impact-wise... I don't think Tevez, Aguero, Higuain, even Lavezzi. Lavezzi was very, very good mm-hmm. when in his prime. All of those players put together, I don't think we're as impactful as Di Maria is for the last 10 years for this Argentine squad, man. And Di Maria's resume at club level can easily compete with everyone that I just said. Dude, no, yeah, that's actually a great one that I won't even argue it. My player is a different selection, but I won't argue that, man. You made some great points, and Di Maria is almost one of those players that I feel like he hasn't gotten those flowers, man. Yeah, he man. hasn't gotten those flowers. But yeah. even you know that insane highlight he had in that game against France in this last World Cup, that yeah. beautiful long-range goal that he made. Yeah. He's actively one of Argentina's best offensive players and creators. Yes, and I yes, think a lot dude. of it's just overshadowed by a better version of him in Messi. Exactly, bro. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly. what it takes. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I think other players worth mentioning are like Hernán Crespo, who was a great striker for them, dominated the two thousands. Um, Gabriel Bautista is a famous name for Argentina. Yeah. Alfredo Di Stefano, that's an yeah. all-timer. But, he, you know, it's a different era. But different yeah. era. Different and era. I, he technically ended up playing for Spain because yeah. Argentina didn't yeah, want him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mario Kempes, Javier Sanetti is yeah. another one. 
For me though, I, I decided this question not based on resume because if you compare the resume of this player to yours, it, I don't think it matched up fully. Okay. But more so in aesthetics, man. This yeah. is a player that is a, a beautiful uh, assessment to the game, beautiful vision, uh, uh, just an incredible type of player. That player is Juan Roman Riquelme. Ah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, absolutely. If you ask any Boca Juniors fan, mm -hmm. will say is one of their greatest players to ever play at the club. Yes. He played in the enganche role. He was at that that connection between the midfield and the attack. Yeah. The 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 heavy responsibility that that gives to a player to to essentially be the creative player on the pitch, feed your teammates, score goals, create opportunities. Riquelme did this at the highest level. And what yeah. I, what I love about him, bro, is that so many times do we see you know players of that caliber go from playing in South America to then going to Europe and having these long careers. Yeah. But there's something about Riquelme that just gives me such a, like an OG vibe because he tested Europe. He yeah. went. He played for Barcelona at first, and it, and it didn't work out because at the time, Louis Van, Louis Van Hall was uh, the, the coach, and apparently it was, it was reported yeah. that they didn't get along well. Long. He didn't like his signing, but he went for $10 million in, the in 2002. That's a shit ton of money Damn, back then, bro. That's a lot. That's a yeah. high value on a player. Yeah. He then makes the move to Villarreal. He took Villarreal in 2003 to uh, third place in La Liga, right behind Real Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah. And they even made the semis in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's crazy, yeah. man. That's the last time they did it. And so he had a great career there. And then he goes back to Boca, finds, just goes back home. Yeah. And he just, he sets himself as an all-timer there. He uh, has an insane highlight reel. I, I truly do suggest people go look at his passing highlight reel. He has the same exact vision as Messi, bro. The same that. exact vision. He's a little taller than Messi, but he's so smart. I feel like he's the type of player that if you were playing against him, bro, he'd be such a pain in the ass because <sighs> you, never you get give him. him a little bit of space and he just finds a gap between you and one of his one of his teammates and just feeds that ball straight through there, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like, a, I don't know why, but compare him to like Ginobili. For the mm. for the Spurs, creative, okay. crafty, crafty, yeah. didn't score in bunches like Ginobili did either. Like yeah, you know, you're right, yeah. six man of all time. But yeah. but Riquelme was so good at what he did, so efficient, and also his free kick highlight reel is insane, man. He just yeah, an insane mixtape this guy has, and for me, he's the third best, the okay. third best for me. Yeah, yeah, but I love the question because it takes out the two biggest yes, talking points exactly. for Argentina, and exactly. it actually does leave a really good pool of players to pick from, man. Yeah. If you're an Argentina fan, you're, you're, you're spoiled, bro. You're spoiled, <laughs> spoiled by talent, man. man. We didn't even mention Juan Sebastián Verón. No. Pablo Aymar. <laughs> Jesus, man. No. Spoiled. Yeah, bro. Congrats on the podcast. Great Thank you, podcast, brother. guys. Honestly, the best podcast I've seen. And I'm going to tell you something. My question is this. What do you think about Messi making the next World Cup in the U.S.? What do you think? Does he make it? If he does make it, what role does he have in Argentina? I personally think he'll still be an enganche, a player who can give passes off. I just want to know what you guys thinking about. And again, congrats on the podcast. Thank you, he brother. Soccer podcast I've ever heard. Damn. You guys are a fire, bro. Real talk. I. Thank you, Damn, brother. Damn, man, that's that's a that's yeah. a hell of a compliment. First and absolutely, foremost, man, absolutely. appreciate that. Really appreciate but that. But once again, another great question, bro. Yeah. Man, our viewers really are, are giving man. us some good questions. Really fun question. Does Messi make it to the next World Cup, and what's his role there? I think obviously the answer is yes. Yeah, and I think he's gonna have a impact. Obviously, not the same that he's had in years past, or the, the same that he'll have this year. Uh, but I see Messi playing basically what this uh, this guy is saying. He's gonna be a guy that's just gonna purely feed. He's not yeah, going to dribble as much. I agree. He's not going to be as offensively aggressive, 
but his vision is not going to deteriorate and his skill off the pass is not going to deteriorate. Yeah. I see Messi honestly kind of playing like how Zlatan has been playing for the last like six years. So Zlatan for so, so long, basically ever since he moved from PSG, he's completely lost his physicality. <laughs> he can't run anymore, yeah. but he still plays. And he does it at such a high level because he knows where his players are going to be. He knows how his teammates work. All Slotan has done is just feed. And then when he gets a chance, Slotan's still got it. Yeah. He's got that class. Yeah. And Messi's, Messi's class is 10 times that of Slotan. So it's going to be easy for Messi to have a huge impact still come four years' time. He's just not going to be as physical. But I still see Messi just yeah. be, being like Slotan, but just at a much higher level. Yeah, I see Messi kind of. Uh, paying tribute to you know, I see him being playing like the Aaron Moy role. No, I see the same thing, man. Yeah. I see he's not gonna lose that touch, bro. No, and, no, no, no. He might even argue, he might even get better at it, man. <laughs> Maybe like, like, he has no I just, choice. We just, we just might not see as many of those dribbling displays that he goes on right. where he just takes on players and just gets by them. Yeah, but I still see him just being at the top of that box, just you know, fizzling out passes, just yeah. looking, just constantly threatening. And honestly, I think that's a version of Messi that once he does that solely, I still think that's a monster of a player, bro. Yeah. That's still going to be really scary to face again. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. he's still going to have the craft to just hold on to the ball and beat players. Just yeah. Instead of off the dribble and the pass, it'll just solely be off yeah. the pass. But, I mean, that's the thing. What players out there have the vision of Messi very, very yeah, few. And I don't think it's not like he's gonna be fucking like his like back is gonna be broken or some shit. He's still gonna be actively on the pitch running yeah, exactly. and shit. So exactly. actually I think it's just a slightly lesser version of what he is now with an emphasis on passing. Yeah. And what what's cool about this too is that he's going to be thirty eight years old when that World Cup Cup comes. So that is old for a soccer player, man. It is two years from forty. Mm -hmm. But what I realized once I did research on this question was that you know, we waited four and a half years for this World Cup, but after this World Cup, we only <laughs> have to wait three, three, three and, and a half. half. Yeah. So that that applies to all these players too. You it's know, less time. it's 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 six less months, man. That's that's, that's big. That's a lot. So that's that's big. Hey, man, I think Messi and Ronaldo have a chance here at running it back. Dang, what if Messi makes it and he like announces before the World Cup, this is it, I'm retiring after this. <laughs> oh my God, Dude. it would make so much sense though. And like, why would he start a whole new new season after this? Dude, imagine like, he does that, but what a way to end it. But the Argentina team is ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people yeah. were just like, God damn it, yeah. shit. <laughs> shit! You can't give four more. Forty-two year old, forty-two <laughs> year old Messi, man, at the World Cup, twenty thirty, probably like in Morocco or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just guns a blazing. Here we go. So I just wanted to ask that: Is there any chance that you think Haaland can take over Ronaldo in goal scoring? Another great question. Because uh -huh. this one, this one for me is like a numbers. Yes. This is purely yes. numbers. Math. How many goals does Holland need per season to catch up to 800 plus goal Ronaldo? Yeah. What do you got? So I looked at the numbers. I did. I did, <laughs> I did my you math. Turned them out. I, I did my homework. <laughs> And you know what really surprised me is that Ronaldo during his stint at Manchester United, which was like six years, mm -hmm. he only scored 84 goals. Wow. 84 goals. Yeah. Right? Which is a, which is a high amount. I think it's still good. It's respectable. It's respectable. Uh, yeah. I, I just, you'd think he would have scored. Yeah. You just think he would have scored more. 
Yeah, because afterwards he went on to go on a gargantuan type oh, of run and yeah. with cemented him as a potential GOAT. 815 total career goals is what he has right now. Yeah. It's insane, bro. Yeah, that's Almost a thousand. That, yeah. This is video game numbers. Yeah, it really is, man. <laughs> but what's interesting is that Holland, at 21 years old, already has 93 goals. Right. 93 goals if you count the goals he scored at Dortmund, Salzburg, and Molde. Mm -hmm. So he technically is already off to a better start than Ronaldo yeah. um, when it comes to age yeah. and time. So this question becomes super interesting once you consider that. Yeah. He is about... You know, like 700 and something goals off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's round it to he has 100 and Ronaldo has 800. Yeah. So he needs 700 more goals. Yeah. And this is not to, we got to also assume that Ronaldo is going to score a few more goals That's while he true. still plays. Oh, Might get geez, up to like 900. Eight, 850, like 870. Yeah. I, I think nice. let's just assume another 75 Dang. in the next five years. Yeah, man. 900 goals total. Sheesh. Holland is going to have to churn out. He's going to have a couple 50 goal seasons. Not a couple. He's going to need gonna a few. Have to. Like, yeah. Half, half, half of his career is going to be 50 goals minimum. <laughs> Shit, bro. Or he's just going to need he's going to need one of those like seasons where like when Messi scored 93 goals right. in one season. No, exactly. It's going to have to be like that, bro. Yeah. And ultimately to answer the question, I'm going to say no he does not. Not because he's not good enough cuz he is on the trajectory he is on the trajectory Absolutely. to do it. Absolutely. The thing is with Holland is he is injured yep. every year yep. for at least 10 games. Yep. That's 25% of the season, man. And the thing is when you come back off these injuries, it takes a couple games to yep. get back to pace, to get back to the in-game rhythm. And so those are goals gone. Yep. He'll never be able to get those goals back. And if Holland's already injury prone at 20, 21 years old, it's not going to get better. They're going to have to watch Holland's minutes or he's just ultimately always going to get injured. And for that, for me, that yeah. is the reason yeah. why he's not going to reach it. Ronaldo's a robot, man, when it comes to this type <laughs> to of health, stuff. To health, bro. He to health, rarely he's got a injured. machine. Yeah. Never, yeah, exactly. Rarely got injured. And for me, Holland's just not the same when it comes to that body type. Yeah, man. What we've seen has been concerning. That's, concerning. that's actually a, yeah, an aspect that people don't really talk about. But when it comes to the greatest athletes of all time, LeBron, throw, throw him into the conversation. Kobe. Well, he never gets injured, right? Kobe, LeBron, never. never. They never got injured. Messi as well. Rarely does he have a – he had one this – like a couple seasons ago where yeah, he was yeah. out for like the first three months. But, nah. dude, he rarely is out the amount of time that, that Holland has been well, just the course of his in career, and out, man. man. It's, yeah. it, it's really concerning. And that that's – if that gets figured out, then maybe. But even then, I don't think so, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't those, think I mean, so. Eight hundred. It's man. just too. It's it's the reason Ronaldo is Ronaldo is because it was it was so unfathomable to yeah. achieve that rate. Yeah, I just don't see it. Although he is primed and in such a good position now, if he let's say he stays healthy, he's already made the career move to be at a top club That's at a true. young age. That's true. It's gonna have a role there, much different than that, than what Ronaldo had when he was at Man U. Holland's gonna be purely goal scoring. Yeah, they're gonna pure the hell out of they're Holland. They're gonna feed that fucker the, the, everything. <laughs> he everything can. he needs. Everything, bro. Yeah. Whatever he wants, and he's so gonna get it. He's gonna have the opportunity if he can stay healthy. But ultimately, I'm going no. Hey guys, how are you doing? My name is Santiago Flores. I'm from Mexico, and I wanted to know which generation of the Mexican national team did you consider to be the best in history, or maybe what generation is your favorite? Yeah, two great Listen questions here, man. You. Two great questions. I'll take this one. What's up, Santiago? 
Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for the question. This is actually good, man, because I don't know if there is a consensus within Mexican fans of which is the best team to have Where ever graced like, a pitch it's for It's just us. like automatic. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 94 was really yeah. good or some shit. Yeah. yeah. For me, I, I have to go with the, the 1999 squad as the best squad because they achieved the biggest trophy that, that Mexico has ever achieved, which was the Confederations Cup, where we beat Brazil, Brazil. 4-3 in the final. And uh, I started looking more into that team. More specifically, I was like, if that's how they performed in the 1999 Confederations Cup, how did they perform in the 1998 World Cup? They didn't lose in the group stage. They didn't lose. They came out with, I think, five points. Oh, that's yeah, good. Tied in second. No, that's solid. And uh, they lost in the round of 16 to Germany. But that German team had won the Euros the, the, the couple years right before. God. It was a good year, Germany team. And so I was like, okay. All right, that's, that's completely respectable. That's all right. Yeah. Um, but then you look at the players, man. Ramon Ramirez, Palencia, Cotemo Blanco, Pavel Pardo, Claudio Suarez, one of Mexico's oh, greatest wow. center backs. Yeah. Rafa Marquez, also one of the greatest, the greatest was center backs. He there in 98? Back. Yeah, bro. He was young, bro. He was young. Um, this is 99, 99, Confederations oh, oh, Cup. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they faced off against a Brazil team that I looked through their lineup. Wasn't their best squad, but if you look at the results throughout the group stage and like the knockout stages in that tournament, bro, they were going off, man. Yeah. The game prior, they faced off against, I think it was Saudi Arabia in the semis, and they won eight to two. Yeah. They were just yeah, pouncing just teams. Pouncing. They played against the U.S., and they beat the U.S. as well. And they were like winning games by a lot. So it was still a classic Brazilian team that had a lot of like uh, just that classic Brazilian talent on their team. Yeah. Uh, I think half of it was like European based and the other half was just uh, based in the home in Brazil. You had a 19-year-old Ronaldinho playing for this no team. No yeah. Um, and it was, you had Dira at, the, at goal who famously played for AC Milan. And they show up to Mexico and Mexico gives it to him. Four to three in the final. The greatest trophy Mexico has ever won, in my opinion. Yeah. That, to me, is the greatest squad. Because when I think about all the other squads that, that have been there throughout the times of, of Mexico's history, you have the 2000s era, which was a very good era for Mexico. And that answers my next qu the next question, which is, who was your favorite one? My favorite one was the uh, 2006 World yeah. Cup squad. The one that had... Um, Osvaldo Sanchez, Rafa Marquez still, Carlos Salcido, uh, Pavel Pardo, Ramon Morales, Guardado, Borghetti. That squad was my favorite one. My favorite jersey was worn by them. Yeah. I loved the way that team played. There was a unity. There was a pride in that squad. But there was definitely, I guess, a, a cap limit on the, on the level of success oh, this team uh, could achieve. Okay. Whereas the, the 1999 one just had a slightly higher level in my opinion just yeah, slightly just slightly yeah go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the euro yeah. champions yeah. in 98 so then how do you rate the 2010s the decade yeah. of mexico yeah how do you Which rate started this? off so good man do you I, yeah like do you have good memories or is it right well, what, what do you have I, th I think no i think it's good because we did win gold cups we won the olympic uh yeah. gold medal as yeah. well we won good trophies um and then we took it to teams in the world cup and we just man 2014 got 2014, unlucky against bro. against the Netherlands. Honestly, yeah. that's the oh, no, one. Honestly. That's the one team I would bring up in the sense of like maybe they could have an argument for best Mexican squad because that team nearly did it. Man. They nearly, they nearly oh my did God, it, bro. bro. But I think highly of them. I think well of them. I think those teams are the standard for what Mexico fans hope to achieve yet again. Is is that level? That's what is expected. That is the standard. But there's just another level that can be reached by a Mexican team. And I just think the closest team that, that did it 
was that 99 squad, yeah. those late 90 squads. And you look at the players they had, I think there, there is reason to believe that because there's a lot of icons and legends in, those, yeah. in that team that we just don't really see that type of breed anymore, at least right now in this yeah. squad. Hey, this is um, Eric. What's up, Eric? This is Jalisco from Jalisco. Jalisco, that's going to be probably Georgia. I just wanted to um, ask two questions. The first one is, who do you think is the front three starting for Mexico in the next World Cup? And who do you think might be a potential surprise in the next World Cup? Have a good day. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Eric. So... I think it's, it's clear. Yeah, it's clear. I think it's yeah. clear who the front three is. It's going to be Raul Jimenez. Mm -hmm. On one side, you're going to have El Chucky Lozano. And then on the other, you're going to have Tecatito Corona. Yeah. I oh. think it's clear. Tata Martino isn't even thinking about his front three right now because he knows who it is. But that's the thing, though, is that I don't think there's anyone he could even replace if he wanted to. There's no backup striker, really, for Mexico. You could He's been trying to get Santi Jimenez he's time. He's, ta he's trying. Funes Mori... Has oh, been involved. Yeah, no, yeah. He's been involved. Yeah. But for me, he Henry managed, Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and Henry Martin, who's honestly pretty good in Liga MX, but when it comes to international stage, really the only guy who's kind of short of that position that has shown that like he's the only option you really have is just gonna be Jimenez, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And then you could say the exact same things about the winger roles with Corona and Lozano. I think there's just one player that can maybe maybe which is Alexis Vega. It's the only one, but even his form is shaky, bro. Shaky. He had a, he had a good little run in the uh, in the qualification cycle, but then it just kind of fanned out. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, then Linus is another one you could throw in there, but he can sometimes. I don't even know where this kid plays anymore, man. <laughs> I, man, that's the thing. <laughs> Does he play? That's Does another he play? question. Marcelo Flores, same thing, man. Yes. With that missed penalty, I don't even know. Man. Oh yeah, man. My mind. Yeah, that was man. not a good oh, pen. Um, but th that's the thing is the the next question was. Who could be the next the next front threes to kind of step up as a surprise in the next World Cup? And as far as it's turning out right now, kind of as you're saying, I don't see anybody who could step up to the same level as Corona or Lozano or even Jimenez right now. I really don't because, like you said, there are players who have flirted with stealing that yeah. starting position. You just mentioned a few. Linus, Vega. Uh, also, uh, Roberto Alvarado at mm -hmm. one point mm -hmm. was on the rise of becoming like the next great winger for Mexico. And Antuna. now I don't even know who he is anymore. Yeah. Antuna, Antuna, Uriel Antuna. Jesus, don't tell me about Antuna, bro. Dude, exactly. There was one point where Antuna was starting yeah. over like Corona for like, what, six months? Yeah. And that's it. Um, Rodolfo Pizarro, when he was coming up with Pachuca, Jesus, he was supposed to be like <laughs> yeah. the next attacking creative midfield for Mexico. Yeah. None of them have Nothing. been able to crack Nothing. into the starting 11 for Mexico consistently. And that, that's my problem. I don't actually see any big surprises in that front three coming up just over the next two years, let's say. I really don't. And I think that's the big problem right now for Mexico is what do you do when your starting 11 isn't working? Not much. You can try yeah. to bring in Atlas players, but Martino refuses to do that. He refuses to bring in good Liga MX talent. So, I don't know. What, what, what can you do? I, I think right now he's thinking, uh, if I can find some way to give Jimenez two things. Service and confidence, man. Yeah. Because that's the best hope for Mexico offensively. Mm -hmm. If Jimenez can get his confidence back somehow, get his just that energy that, he, that he's so well known for. Yeah. And... Service too, like he needs to be fed, he needs, bro. Dude, he, he needs need to be a fed. He, has, he needs to have active wingers. Yes, bro. So it, it kind of goes for all three of them. If they can just get 
confidence, man. But I'm talking about like, like real confidence, yeah, man. Yeah, like yeah, genuine, yeah. like we got we this. Can we, we can take on the responsibility. Like I don't mm. think any of those three wingers right now, or any of those two wingers right now, have that confidence to them. No, but dude. talent-wise, they are better than any other option we have it's, right now. Exactly. So. It's just, man, if Chucky, if he needs to wake the fuck up, <laughs> I, honestly, him, I would say Corona has been much more effective than Chucky. I think so. But that's not saying much. It's not saying much. So it's, dude, it's, it's, I know we've been criticizing Tata a lot, but it, there's also aspects of the, of this team that are on the, on the players themselves. Yeah. That's actually been a big point of contention for Mexico is who do you really blame? Yeah. Is it that or is it the players? Yeah. You could make a good argument for both. Yeah. And then for the Just second part of his question was yeah. who's going to be a surprise at this next world cup. Ooh, I, I like this cause man, there's a number of answers here. Yeah, there there's really a is number based off of recent performances. Denmark. Oh, okay. Denmark. We I haven't really, we haven't this. really shed light on. on no, we, Denmark, re- we man. really haven't. We really um, haven't. Denmark has been putting in solid performances now. Yeah. For to the point that I gotta, my, my eye is raised, my eyebrows raised. Yeah. I'm like, same dude, same. The hell is going on over there, man? Man, this Denmark team is better than the one that was at the World Cup four years ago. They have experience. Yes. They have a much better setup, and they know now. I truly do feel like they. They have this confidence to them that they can go at a big team, bro, which I don't think they had before. Dude. And I'm start they're like slowly rising up the ranks of like World Cup favorites because yeah. they're just doing so, so good in, in the games that they're playing. Uh, recently in Nations League, they've been getting really good results. And I'm starting to I'm starting to pay attention to them now that, that they've been rising in the ranks a little. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think when Denmark is when they're when they're clicking. There's an energy to Denmark, man. And again, it, it, that energy is what's going to take them to the pinnacle of a tournament like this because they're not scared when they play against those big, big yeah. teams. What's going to be so interesting about Denmark, though, is that they have holes at that back line. So they can be beaten by anybody. But what's, what I love about them is that it doesn't, they're not phased by that. Yeah. Like they know it, but they're like, well, we can still try to outscore you. And I yeah. love that about Denmark. I absolutely love that. But as far as surprises for this World Cup, for me, I, I, I think of one specific team, if I'm not including Canada, I think the bigger surprise here is going to be Senegal. I think, I think Senegal are going to make a deep run. Not off You're of, doubling down on Senegal, man. Not off of playing flair or entertaining football sure i think they're just gonna get the results but bro yeah for real man. yeah i really do their defense their defensive line i think is very stout okay. and it's very very disciplined and they're very physical side mm-hmm. even even with their midfield their midfield is a perfect blend of physicality and a little bit of creativity so they can try to push some sort of offense and then of course they have some good key players offensively highlighting Sadio Mane as their best so they may not score a lot of goals, and they're not going to at this World Cup. It's, nothing's going to change about the way they play. They're going to play the exact same way they've been playing for the last four years. But I think it's going to work. I think they're going to get the results, and they're going to piss some teams off because some teams that aren't going to be able to score, and they're going to grind out 1-0, 2-1, 1-1 results. And I think Senegal going to surprise yeah, in that manner. That's a, that, yeah, that's a very optimistic view on this team. I remember we had that Senegalese friend who told us that people in Senegal – Aren't very are very critical of the team because uh, yeah, they, because of the talent that they have mm-hmm. they feel they should be doing better but then again they've done all that they could they won the Afcon exactly. and then they qualified for the World Cup yeah so 
I think there's just there is a potential. There is a I think so. a, a really high limit that this team can reach. But I don't know, man. There's something about the results they got at Afcon that isn't really convincing me. They man. won't. They, they won't what, do this. They in did style. enough. Yeah, they that's won't the thing. Do this in style. It's not that aesthetically pleasing. Maybe right. that's what it is. That's what it is. But they got the results. I can't knock them for that. I'm they not did gonna, it. I'm not going to be happy when I see Senegal play. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're going to somehow Miserable. get their results. Yeah, bro. Whether it's laser pointers or whatever, man. They're just they're going <laughs> to do they're, at all costs, man. They're going to get that they're result. They're going to somehow do it. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm Damn, telling you, man. man. So you think it's Senegal and Netherlands that make it out of the group? Y- yes. Uh, the group A. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think okay. so. Qatar might have something to say, but I think Senegal for sure is getting out of there. Right. Yeah. Who are your current top three ones to watch teenagers in world football? Teenagers, teenagers. Yeah. Okay, okay. This is yeah, this is interesting because, I mean, Wonder Kids, bro. Yeah. So highly talked about in, in the culture of football. It's crazy. I think two that I don't have three, but two that stand out to me, and maybe you can give me a third one. Okay. The first one, man, I was watching them the other day. I was like, Jesus Christ, bro. What are, what are they feeding these kids? Gavi, dude. Oh, yeah. Gavi, man. Yeah. What a player, bro. Mm. I'm fascinated by this kid. He's 17 years old. His touch, dude, his first touch yeah. is generational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah, see yeah. him touch the ball. I'm like, that's not that's not a typical first that's touch, bro. That, <laughs> he, that's like Gen Z. It's Gen uh, Z touch. shit, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, getting, it's, getting, it's getting weird, bro. I'm like, yeah. dude, the, the quality of it is insane. It's like, why couldn't why can't I have that touch, man? Yeah. Really good anticipation, vision, and uh, close control, and tight spots, and tight spaces, knows how to get out of them. He has a highlight, I think it was a Nations League the other day, where he was like at the top of his box, like they had to clear the ball out, he brings the ball down, and he just sombreros the ball over not one, but two players, one-two touch, gets out of it, draws a foul, and, and, he, and he gets out of it. And yeah. I'm just like, nah, man, nah, nah, nah. My, Craft. Crafty, bro, crafty player. And so for me, I think, I think he is a player to watch, absolutely. I know that he's up there alongside with Pedri, and Pedri gets a lot more of the spotlight, yeah. maybe for better reason. I think he's I think, a little bit more offensive and yeah. more involved with like goal scoring. Yeah, and I think he's further along, Pedri. I think yeah. he is a couple years older, too. But, yeah. dude, guy was already starting for the national team, man. Dad, you're right. Think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> he started yeah. in the – it was the semifinal of the Nations League. He yeah. started for Spain, bro. I'm yeah. like – that's insane, man. Yeah. He's a player to watch. And then the third one is pretty, this is, I mean, this, at this point, it's pretty stereotypical or predictable, but Bellingham, Bellingham, bro. That That's my yeah. go-to. When I when yeah. I think about teenagers, uh, for me, it's Jude I Bellingham. Think, I think he's the best one, man. I, I do yeah. think so. Even when he was 17, just, just hitting the scene, you could tell, like, this guy was beyond his years. Yeah. He looked like he was already 25, just parked in the middle of that midfield, directing people where to go and just feeding them. Dude. He has a dynamicism about him that uh, it, it's so impressive to watch yeah. because he's physical, but he's also quick, insanely quick. So for me, for for a midfielder to be as physical as he is, but have that quick touch that he does, yeah. it's so impressive to watch. And then not only that, for me, his vision isn't the best, but it's only getting better. I just continually see him improve on his vision and his passing. And he already has the right ideas. His dribbling is powerful and he's 
involved on both ends, man. He can defend when he needs to, and yeah. he's completely involved offensively, and he enjoys both sides of the game. He honestly could be one of the most complete midfielders in his prime when he gets there, man, because he's already trending towards that. Dude, man. I swear, in another in another life, he was a conductor because the way he dictates tempo, bro. Yeah, bro. He is a metronome. He's <laughs> out there just dictating rhythm, control, and man, England is spoiled in that sense in the midfield, man. Just like that, they have, they have their solution at the midfield for the next, for the next 10, 10 years, years minimum, plus, bro. Yeah, bro. Minimum. Crazy. One of the best midfielders that the game is going to have in future years. So congrats to England fans. <laughs> and that's incredible. Yeah, I only have two, but I think those are two good ones to point out. Yeah. All right, so my question is, how do you think America is going to do this season? Because it's been a couple of years since we won the league. Do you think it's going to happen this year or what? I think America's biggest problem for the past couple of years has been the lack of potential fulfillment of the signings that they've made. So let me, let me yeah, make, yeah. let me make Go sense out of that. So around a couple of years ago, they got Federico Vinas to kind of be their number one striker from Uruguay. They also, uh, they've also tried to get Juan Ferneo Otero recently. They got, um, they got Alvaro Fidalgo, the Spaniard yeah. winger. All three of those players were set to be the, their next part of their front front line to score goals, right? None of them have really followed through on their potential. I remember when Vinas made his debut like three years ago for America, very physical type of forward, and I could see he has a good IQ. So I was like, okay, this is a signing for the future. In a couple years, I could see Vinas completely leading this line and being one of the top goal scorers in Liga MX. He has no output, man. None. And when you think about Fidalgo, he was supposed to be the replacement to a prime Renato Ibarra, a guy who is dynamic, quick, but also heavily involved offensively. For me, Fidalgo is very good. He can cut inside, he can create, and he can also just kind of be down that wing and play as that winger-type role, but he just doesn't produce enough. And Otero's been non-existent since he came from Santos, and you just think about the players that they've gotten over these past couple years offensively, they just haven't worked out. They're still relying on the players that they've had for like six years. They're still relying on Roger Martinez. They're still relying on Henry Martin. Mm -hmm. um, and right now they're relying on Sendejas, a guy who they didn't think would actually be really good, but he ended up being one of their better players in this last uh, semester. Um, and that's the thing is that their best player was a guy who's already well-known in Liga MX, Diego Valdez. He went off this past this past semester for them, but it was known because he's been one of the best yeah. midfielders in Liga MX for the last four years. So for me, what's wrong with America is that the signings that they made to better their future, just not pulling through. So for me, and it actually uh, is completely, uh, and actually my point is made is because they just signed Jonathan Rodriguez from Saudi Arabia, a guy who knows the league very well as he played with Cruz Azul for a number of years. So they're like, look, we just got to go with people who we know are good in the league. Like, cause what yeah. we signed, what we signed for players outside of the league, this is not working. Yeah. It's not working. So for them to sign Rodriguez, I think is a sign of like, yeah, we just need guys to know the league. Cause that's what's working right now. I think they'll have a better chance this year. Cause obviously the thing is their squad as a whole is still good. Like they have a good team. They're always going to be, in my opinion, top four, top five team just as they were in this last semester but uh I, I think Valdez and Rodriguez can link up really really well this apertura I think they'll be better but I, I don't think it'll be enough to win a title yeah man you look at their past two um well th this past season I went the apertura they finished in first they finished in first in the apertura yeah and then they got upset by an eight <laughs> seed in Pumas yeah 
following year, they get fourth in the Clausura, and they lose to Pachuca in the semis. Yeah. Uh, they still managed to get those top four finishes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Liga MX, that's good enough. Like, yeah. to consistently do that, that's, that is a good sign of a, a club that's well-ran. But I think so. they do need to make that next step towards being more clinical when it comes to those later stages, man. Yeah, Because that, 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 especially in the, the Apertura result of losing out to Pumas, who was an eight seed, that to me just shows that you don't have the players to to do what is what is what they're supposed to do when the time comes, exactly. and maybe these new signings are going to do that for them. Yeah, that that's what they're hoping for. Hey guys, uh, this so, is Caden here. Uh, I'm a pretty big Atlanta fan, living in the U.S., and uh, I just want to know you guys' thoughts on Atlanta pro- possibly getting Luis Suarez uh, in the off season. Um, and do you think that would be a good fit? Uh, I personally think it'd be a good fit. I know he's old, but I think, you know, he fits our style pretty well, and I just want you guys' thoughts on it. First off, dude, an Atlanta fan in the U.S., bro? In the U.S., bro? That's so dope, We could make a whole episode on just our experiences as fans of European teams (laughs) in the U.S., man. I remember you had had that whole spiel how you never met an Atletico Madrid. You've never met an Atletico Madrid fan. I argue. Here in the U.S. I argue that. I'm the only Atleti fan within a 300-mile radius. I argue that. And I live near Houston, Dallas. I someone, Austin. someone, DM me, please. Tell me that you're in Texas and you're an athletic fan because this guy is alone. I'm alone. I'm, very, an, on, I'm on an island out here that, in the States. Man, more specifically, it's, it's fans of teams outside the Premier League. Because I've is. seen Liverpool bars, Arsenal pubs, Man City pubs. Like that's, there's plenty here. Oh, plenty. But... If you support a team outside the Premier League in the U.S., I, I admire you for it's, sure. It's and th- lonely. This is even it's crazy. very, very lonely. This ain't yeah, La Liga. This, this yeah. is Serie A. So yeah. props to you, Caden. But to answer your question, uh, yeah, so I was looking at uh, Atalanta and how they did this past season. And something that stood out to me is that the top four teams in Serie A only allowed less than 37 goals. Yeah. The top four teams. That's what it takes. I think it was Juventus who was at 37, and then the top three teams were below 32 goals. Damn. I looked at Atalanta. That's really good defense. That's really, yeah, it's really good, man. Yeah. I look at Atalanta, and they allowed 48 goals. Right. I was like, okay, maybe we need to shore something up. They're tightening some screws, <laughs> which, funny enough, I checked their transfers, and I see that they just signed Demiral, the center oh, back. Oh, yeah. They just signed him, added him to the team, and then I'm like, okay, interesting. I look at how many goals they scored. They scored 65 goals last season. So offensively, I'm like, that, that's not, like, that's already top five in Italy. Yeah. That's not that bad. That's not bad. You've seen Luis Suarez for two full seasons now. Yes. And from what you're telling me, I don't think he's the solution for Atalanta. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I think Atalanta needs a different type of offensive player. And I think that Luis Suarez specifically is just slowly running out of gas. He's not one of those players that as he's ages, you think that he might find a different way to make an impact. I feel like he's just... It, for him, it's just decline. It's mm-hmm. just decline. It's, it's just, just unfortunate. It's just decline. less of what he was. Yes. Whereas other players can sometimes ma- emphasize other areas of their game. I see Suarez just just slowly, slowly washing away. I don't think Atalanta is that solution for him. For the team themselves, I, I think they got to look somewhere else offensively if they want to get their answer there. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. So Suarez, not even just pace or strength-wise, I think he's deteriorating with his finishing ability, honestly. Um, but what's interesting is that... For Suarez, I think it's a great move. For him to go to a team like Atalanta, a team that basically only has feeders just all around. So right now, usually they start Zapata, Mm -hmm. Muriel either coming off the bench or starting alongside him. 
Um, I think Suarez would actually pair up great with a big striker like Zapata. I think it'd be a great, great pairing, even with an old Suarez. Yeah, that's what he needs. I think that's what I think that's what Suarez needs. That's not what Atalanta need. That's the thing. I think Suarez needs that type of uh, that type of offense where he's not going to be the focal point because mm -hmm. he can't do that job. It would still be Zapata, and it would still be the creators around him. I think Suarez would actually thrive in a situation like that. And Serie A in general is a slower paced league yeah. offensively than La Liga. That's what Suarez needs. He needs absolutely, to be running less. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. He needs to be running less. So for Suarez, I think it's a great move, actually, if he were to go to a team like Atalanta or another type of upper mid-table Italian team. Um, now, for any team that gets him, you're going to have to know how to use him. Yeah. So that's the thing. So for Atalanta to get him, maybe it'd be bad if they're not going to know how to use him. Yeah. But for Suarez, I think any Italian team, honestly, is a good move. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Just slowly going down the the tiers of <laughs> European <laughs> leagues. <laughs> La Liga. Yeah. It's just one by one. Man, just I'm just happy to see an Atalanta fan out in the US, man. Yeah, out absolutely. and about. So. Amen. All right. Last and final question. Here we go. My question is should Messi leave PSG? Oh. Should he? Straightforward. Yeah. Should Messi leave PSG? The comeback, the return home to Barcelona. You don't like that? That narrative? A, a return from what, dude? From vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should leave PSG. I don't think right now, though. I no. need to see him at PSG another year. I want to see. I want to see Messi make a deep run with PSG. Yeah, just, that's what I, I want. Just need one more year. Yeah, and then a return I think would be viable, or take it to the prem like Ronaldo. Dang. Like that that's selfishly why I would want him to leave is to to see him at at the prem. Anywhere in, in the, the prem, prem bro. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. Just yeah. come yeah. on man, just come to come to this league, bro. Shut yeah. everyone up that's ever said anything bad about you. Any English pundit. Just just come for one year. Yeah. And give us what we want, man. Yeah. Is he going to leave PSG? That's a more interesting question. Like is it going to happen? I think so. I, I don't think PSG is his last team. I don't think he retires with PSG. That that image doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense to me, man. I just wonder: Do Barca have the finances in the near future to actually fund Messi coming back? Like realistically, I'm not yeah. even saying like to sign him to a max contract. I'm just saying, can they pay, you know, some sort of wage mm -hmm. to Messi to be like, look, we fixed our we fixed our checkbooks. We've we are we've checked our balances. Come back home to Barcelona and retire here. In theory, it sounds great, but can it actually happen financially? I wonder. And for Messi to go to the Premier League, I feel like Messi had that opportunity and it's gone now. Yeah. I feel like since Messi chose PSG, or you know, or maybe was forced to PSG, instead of forcing a move to the Prem, I feel like that boat has sailed. Messi will never play in the Prem. I really do think it's gone. The, the boat has sailed. The window is closed. It's done. Messi will never play in the Prem. I really do believe that. And another fun question is if Messi ever does leave PSG, do you think he'd ever, like, just ever entertain the idea of playing in Argentina? Like, I think he would, man. I I, where I would he go? Like, River yeah, right. Play? Yeah, he ain't like, going to River of Boca, right? That, that's that, what I'm that saying. Would, like, that would, he would go to Newell's Old, yo, Newell's old Boys. Old Boys. Yeah. That would be a, that'd be a crazy coming of, like, coming of age <sighs> to Jesus come back God. home. Or the MLS, man. Remember that rumor was popped that up at one point? That, that he, he actually would go to, might sign with Miami. Yeah. And become yeah. part owner as he plays. Yeah. 
<laughs> Dude, a little, actually, like logistically, not even as in like I Mexican American. I can see it. Dude. I actually could see that. I can see it. I could see that more so than in ever going to Argentina. Go even going back to Barcelona. Honestly, I could see him going to the MLS over yeah. any of those options. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, Dude, uh, to gain equity in a company <laughs> <laughs> while still what, getting paid. Who, who else is gonna offer you that, bro? Yeah, European man. team is gonna. Uh, European no. teams have too much self-respect yeah, for that shit. They do. They do. <laughs> Inter Miami does not give a shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Just offer him half the damn club. Bring, bring Messi that's to the, Miami. That, that's just the a only party. one, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one, man. But I just hope Messi is happy. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I, I, do, I hope man. he's happy because we need a happy Messi so he can keep entertaining us. Yeah, man. If he comes to the States, man, we'll get him on the pod, bro. Absolutely. We'll get him on the pod, man. Get him on here. Maybe sell him a shirt, man. Remember, guys, as we close out this episode, I want to remind you guys first and foremost to go grab some of our merch. Go purchase some of our merch online. The link will be in our Spotify and on our Instagram. Anywhere you watch this, you can buy some merch. Help support the channel, man. We'd be eternally grateful for that yes thank you guys for sending in your video fan questions perfect this is actually yeah. like really amazing. loved it really enjoyed I was it really, really yeah. liked it and finally guys remember to download the one football app i want to thank them for sponsoring us and go download that app go go make your footballing lives easier man this is just way too much to navigate Please. go download it and uh Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Anything you guys want. Let us know what your thoughts are on all these topics we discussed. And we will catch you guys next time.